Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey. Hello, it's Paul Byron of the Vancouver Giants. I'm Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades. I'm Dylan Cousins of the Westbridge Hurricanes. Hey guys, this is Cam Hurt. Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. It's Alex Turcott from Team USA. Hi, it's Maurice Sider from the and I'm. This is Alex Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Major Junior. They were the best in the QMJHL. And now the Huskies are Memorial Cup champions. NCAA. Everybody in that Bulldog section's on their feet. The bench is ready to party as the UMD Bulldogs are back-to-back national champions. The World Juniors. Time winding down, and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style. The NHL Draft. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. And more. Unbelievable. Wow. Incredible. This is the Pipeline Show. All right. Good weekend and welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. I am Guy Flaming and a very exciting time of year as the CHL regular season gets underway this weekend. And uh, we'll start with the question of the day, which I threw up on Twitter very early in the week because I wanted to give it a, a few days to breathe a bit. Pretty simple question. There are three players who are currently away at NHL camps that I think a lot of people would expect would be on the bubble uh, to potentially stick or to return to the WHL this year. So I put that in the poll question. Ty Smith, Kirby Doc, Bowen Byram, of the three, who is the last one to come back to the WHL this year, or does one of them not return at all? That is the poll question at TPS underscore Gee. You can uh, take part in that. As I'm speaking with you right now, there's about another 20 hours to go in the poll. And I'm actually pretty interested to see the, the final results because right now it is very, very tight. Bowen Byram leads the uh, the vote get at 31%. Could he be the last guy to return? Kirby Doc is at 30%. Ty Smith at 28%. And 10% of voters have uh, chosen that all three will stay in the NHL. Uh, my personal opinion, it's completely the opposite. Um, I, I think Ty Smith is the last one to come back and might be the only one who doesn't come back. I fully expect Kirby Doc and Bowen Byram back. I think they both will come back um, late October, early November, somewhere in there. So it'll be a while before Vancouver and Saskatoon get their players back. And, and Spokane, I mean, uh, it's it's quite possible they get to Ty Smith back as well. But um, of the three, I think Smith has the best chance to stick with his NHL club right now. Let me know if you think I'm wrong. Again, at TPS underscore Gee is my Twitter handle, so you can uh, voice your opinion there. A long show today, as it is a WHL preview show. I'll tell you who's coming up uh, in uh, coming down the pipe a little bit later, but let's get to some news and notes. And it's been a busy week in the WHL when it comes to uh, trades, as teams are making their final adjustments to get ready for uh, this coming weekend, as players come back to them uh, from NHL camps, and just a, a general shuffling of deck chairs around the uh, the WHL. Try said he dealt Carson Sass to Kelowna after having picked him up from Red Deer. Elsewhere, uh, David Griffin gets traded from Prince Albert up to Prince George. Ashton McNally goes from Swift Current to Seattle. 
for Brecken Wood and an eighth rounder. The rights to Bryce Bader go from uh, the Prince Albert Raiders to the Regina Pats for an eighth round pick. Vancouver deals overage player Jaden Joseph to the Moose Jaw Warriors for a third and a fifth. The Edmonton Oil Kings are moving overage player Parker Gavlis off the blue line to the Medicine Hat Tigers for a fourth round pick. A couple of goaltenders uh, find new teams. The Winnipeg Ice bring in Dean McNabb uh, from the Regina Pats, and the Pats then uh, add Danton Bellick from the Everett Silvertips. Another goaltender who uh, was traded, Prince George, uh, dealt their backup, uh, Isaiah Delora, to the Portland Winterhawks in exchange for a, th- a seventh round pick three years from now in, in 2022. And uh, most recently, Riley Janelle goes from the Kamloops Blazers to the Brandon Weekings. And I met there's going to be more moves here over the next two or three weeks as well. I, in fact, probably a lot of them, as uh, there are still some teams with too many overage players and uh, some others who maybe have overage players that they are looking to uh, alter those uh, those three. They might you know move one guy out and bring another one back. Uh, so there'll be some, some more adjustments uh, around the WHL for sure. The CHL rankings came out, the preseason rankings, and you always got to take these with a, a pretty big grain of salt. I think a lot of it is based on uh, preseason results. But anyway, the uh, London Knights, the number one ranked team in the country. Uh, number two goes to uh, Shakutami, the Saganin, out of the uh, Quebec Major Junior League. The first WHL team is uh, coming in at number three. That's the Saskatoon Blades. The Ottawa 67s are four. Kamloops, who went undefeated in preseason, they are ranked number five. Halifax Mooseheads are still uh, going to be pretty good this year. They are number six, number seven, the Saginaw Spirit. Back to the dub for number eight, that's the Edmonton Oil Kings, who also went undefeated in the preseason. Uh, The Sherbrooke Phoenix are at nine, and the Vancouver Giants round out the top ten in that number ten spot. Three honorable mentions, uh, one from each league. Uh, From the OHL, it's Peterborough. From uh, Quebec, it's the Moncton Wildcats, and the Calgary Hitmen uh, get the honorable mention in the WHL. Opening week in the Alberta Junior Hockey League uh, now complete and as they get set for another weekend. Uh, right now the Assured Park Crusaders, the Spruce Grove Saints, uh, perfect 3-0 and to begin the year. The Lloyd Bobcats, uh, 0-3. Drayton Valley also looking for their first win. Uh, all of those teams have played three games thus far. The Brooks Bandits, they're off to a 2-0 and start. Everybody else in the uh, South Division is basically a one and one. Canmore's only played one game uh, thus far, and it was a loss for the Eagles. When it comes to uh, league leaders, Cody Laskowski has uh, the eight point in two game start for the Camrose Kodiak, so he's out the gate like his hair is on fire. Cam Mitchell, the only Spruce Grove Saint among four players with uh, five points. The other three, William Zapernik, Arjun Atwal, and uh, Jacob Franzak all of them with the Sherwood Park Crusaders. In the BCHL, there are three perfect teams. Uh, the Powell River Kings are 5-0. and The Coquitlam Express are 2-0. and And the Penticton Vs are off to a 4-0 start. Wenatchee not that far behind, 3-0-1. That one loss coming in a shootout. So uh, they're right behind uh, the Vs. And when it comes to the uh, scoring race, had an interest in following this because uh, a couple of Americans that have uh, landed in the BCHL, both with Penticton, uh, Danny Waite, that's Doug Waite's uh, son, who was draft eligible last year and didn't get picked up. He's got eight points in four games. And uh, Philadelphia Flyers' first-round pick, Jay O'Brien, who really struggled uh, to find a groove at Providence College last year, 
Uh, he has seven points in four games uh, to start the season. Uh, Levi Glassman, though, 11 points in five games for Powell River. He leads the league in scoring. Notable Ben Wozni, a defenseman uh, who was drafted by the Oil Kings, is uh, playing in Powell River, and he leads the league uh, among defensemen with uh, seven points. Mentioned it's a uh, longer show, so we're going to get right to it. We're going to finish off the month of WHL that I've had here on the show. We went through all the teams and spoke with all the GMs, uh, with the exception of the Winnipeg Ice. And uh, this week on the show, it's going to be the WHL season preview with uh, guests from Dub Network. And that means it's basically an in-the-dub show. Dub Network is the place to go if you want to stay up to date on everything that's happening around the Western Hockey League. And it's very convenient. You can uh, sign up sign up for your daily dose of the dub, and it gets emailed to you every day. A nice little summary of what's uh, been happening uh, around the league. It's it's just very convenient to, to get it that way, and uh, I think it'll help casual fans certainly to uh, keep uh, tabs on uh, what's going on in the league. Um, so I highly recommend it. Lots of uh, great writers as well. And I will have a uh, another Flaming Hot Takes uh, edition. This will be the, I did it last year, 22 teams, 22 questions. Did it at the start of the year. I'm going to do it again. Uh, so we'll look for that at dubnetwork.ca this week. The guests that you're going to hear on the show today as we uh, set up, we're going to go division by division. So uh, four contributors from Dub Network, guys who follow those uh, divisions closely. They're going to be our guide, and we're going to go in reverse order. So, for instance, uh, Darnell Duff, he covers the Eastern uh, Division for Dub Network. He's going to come on. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, who's the last place team in the East Division, then go to 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and we go in depth. All of these are going to be about 25, 30 minutes long, just the interviews themselves. And after the interview is done, I'm going to give my predictions for uh, the divisions as well. So, uh Lots to get to on the show today. We will, uh, it'll be, we'll start it off in the East, and Darnell Duff will be uh, our guide. Glenn Erickson will take care of the Central Division. Josh Kreitzer is uh, based in the Portland area. He's going to be our guest for the U.S. Division. And uh, Stephen Hocko, who is in Vancouver covering the Giants, he's going to set up the B.C. Division for us. So lots to get to. I noticed uh, earlier Pro Stock Hockey has got a new sh- shipment of they're well known for having the equipment and the sticks and, and uh, uh, apparel from uh, NHL teams and pro teams. Uh, one thing I didn't know about, though, they have these bags that are designed for uh, player and coaches that look really cool. Sort of a kit bag where you can st- stick all your uh, training stuff and you know your your tape and your pucks and your whiteboard and all that. A nice little carrying case. So it looks like it's pretty good quality as well. So just another one of those things you can find at uh, ProStockHockey.com. And I see they just received a new shipment of uh, Tyler Sagan's uh, new uh, sticks for this year. And Pro Stock Hockey has just introduced a new app as well. You can check that out in the uh, App Store or get it on Google Play. Uh, and that'll uh, give you another way to go shopping uh, at ProStockHockey.com. All right, so lots to get to on the show today. So we're going to kick it off with a look at the East Division. And that means my guest to start the show from DubNetwork.ca. That's Darnell Duff. He's first up here on the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. And Doc will get back to it. Doc at his blue line. Comes to center. Ducks around Leeson. In over the line on the wing. Trying to go wide around. Pahal gets in front. Shoots and scores! Ah! Oh, let's go! Kirby Duck! 
puts hand to the ear as if to listen for the booze from the crowd here at the Art Harrison Center. But what a brilliant individual effort by Kirby Dock. And the Blades have opened the scoring in game two in Prince Albert. I'm Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades, and this is the Pipeline Show. It's the Edmonton Oil Kings home opener. This Sunday, your Edmonton Oil Kings face their arch enemies, the Red Deer Rebels, at Rogers Place. The season kicks off in style with high-intensity WHL hockey. Plus, the first 10,000 fans through the door receive a Red Oil Kings rally towel. The puck drops at 4 p.m. Oil Kings, Rebels. Home opener this Sunday. Great family entertainment at Rogers Place starts at just $20 a seat. Save on day of game pricing now at oilkings.ca. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Tag it, yes, sir. This is the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, and we are going to kick off our WHL preview in a fine fashion. We're going to head and start in the East Division, and uh, Darnell Duff from DubNetwork.ca is my guest. Uh, Darnell, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm doing absolutely fantastic. Uh, pleasure's mine. Thanks a lot for uh, having me on the show and looking forward to uh, chatting here. All right. Well, let's get right to it because I'm sure there's lots of ground that we're going to cover in a, in a short period of time. So the way we're going to do this, we're going to look at the uh, the six teams in the division, but we're kind of going to go in order, reverse order from top to or from bottom to top. Um, so when I say that, when you're looking at these six teams in the division, who do you think is going to struggle the most this year and uh, may finish in dead last just in the East Division? Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I don't always want to look at the preseason and, you know, dictate that, but, uh, unfortunately, I think the Moose Jaw Warriors are going to have a tough season. I know they've had a couple, uh, fantastic ones in a row, but for this year, anyway, specifically after a two and five preseason, I think, uh, Moose Jaw will land at the bottom of the East. All right. Any, any particular reason why you think they might struggle? I mean, I looked at it and I felt the same way maybe 10 days ago, two weeks ago. Then they went out and they picked up Bailey Birkin. So they've got a veteran goaltender now and, uh, to uh, uh, fill the hole until uh, Adam Ivanov comes back. And uh, they also went out and got Jaden Joseph this week uh, for a, one of those other overage spots. Did, not enough to help this team in the long run? I really don't think it is. Um, you know, they played Brandon twice over the weekend in preseason action, obviously, to wrap it up. They won one of those games. Uh, their second night goaltender played fantastic, like you mentioned. They picked him up. Um, but overall, I just don't think Moose Jaw has enough uh, defensively to round out and complement Birkin and when Ivanov comes back as well. And I don't think offensively this team is there. Eric Allery had a good, very good preseason with 10 points, but then mm-hmm. uh, you go down the line, Carson Denemy had four points, and then a few other players had four points. I just don't think the offense is there um, and defensively enough to have success in this division. Now, we haven't seen Braden Tracy much uh, here in the preseason either, of a uh, first-round pick of the Anaheim Ducks, but his line mates from last year, not in the picture unless by chance uh, they happen to get uh, the injured to forward uh, whose name is uh, suddenly escaping me from last year's uh, roster, um, Justin Almeida. Uh, he could theoretically come back to the team. To me, if he does, he's probably trade bait. But um, uh, with Braden Tracy uh, being the, the marquee guy on this team right now, kind of one guy and hoping that there's a uh, an offense by committee behind him. 
you know, I think if you're talking about one guy, I think he's a guy that's going to need to have to put up, um, you know, nine in that range of 90 points, I think, to have any success with this team. And then I think, uh, like you mentioned, it has to be a complement of, you know, everybody down the lineup. Defense has to chip in. I know a lot of teams are using their defense to, you know, incorporate themselves more into offense. And, and uh, like the good teams, anyways, are doing that. Um, so without Almeida, I think they're going to struggle heavily. With him, they'll obviously better be better getting a guy who can put up the points that he is capable of. But even with him, uh, I, I just don't think this team has enough offensively. Like, if you look at the preseason statistics, like I said, Eric Allery, 10 points. Yeah. Nobody else had more than four points. I know I, I like Tate Popple. I've seen him play uh, quite a few games. He had three points in the preseason in five games. Uh, so that's not bad statistics. Two of those came against the Brandon Wheat Kings in a game one, five, two loss. But overall, I just don't think Mooshaw has what it takes after a couple of very good years as they tried to uh, win the league. They didn't, and this year I think they'll definitely be way on the outside looking in. A couple other guys worth mentioning, uh, Ryder Korzak, who they picked up in the trade uh, with the Calgary Hitmen in the offseason, and uh, on the back end, Damon Hunt, who's uh, both of those guys uh, draft eligible this year, and who can accept, expect uh, probably uh, have a notable season from both of those guys, fair to say. Yeah, Damon Hunt, a guy, uh, he's from Brandon, actually, so uh, that rivalry sort of already started back in the preseason, um, so to speak, those two guys. He's played on Team Canada. I expect Damon Hunt to uh, come in, solidify, do a a nice job for this team, and I think he's going to have a good WHL career and help this team moving forward. And I think this is a team that has some pieces to have a lot of success uh, going forward. Like you look at some of their rookies, uh, Cade Hayes, who had three goals in the preseason. Jordan Cole had two points. Peyton McKenzie had one point. Uh, so they have a lot of rookies that have some success. Uh, Eric Allery, he's a rookie. He had 10 points and Bryden Kiesman, uh, four points. So this is a team that has some success. David Hunt, obviously not a rookie, but, uh, he knows what it takes to succeed at a high level. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this is a team for the future and not now. Darnell Duff, uh, the writer with dubnetwork.ca covering the East Division. He's our guy to break down the division for us. Let's move uh, to the uh, what you project to be the fifth place team in the East Division. Who would that be? Uh, that's a tough pick. Um, I have to say, uh, unfortunately, with a number one pick, a number two pick at the, this recent uh, WHL Bantam draft, and I know probably a lot of people won't like this, uh, this my personal pick, but I think the Winnipeg Ice, uh, they struggled in the preseason, one and three. They came out, uh, lost two straight games to Saskatoon. They gave up six goals in the final game. Um, I, I think the Winnipeg Ice, although a lot of very good pieces, I think they're going to struggle heavily. How much weight do we put on the preseason for Winnipeg considering their goaltender situation? Everybody's hurt. What's the latest there? Well, that, that's the biggest thing I think everybody is talking about. Like you mentioned, Jesse McKay, uh, Duncan McGovern didn't see any action in the preseason through four games. Uh, they went with, uh, Will Gursky and uh, Gage Alexander and the regular season is only a couple days away. Things are sort of hush hush. Uh, in Winnipeg, I know I, I tried to get the inside scoop on Jesse McKay. Hasn't really said a whole lot. He's the number one guy when he's able to play, but w- without two proven goaltenders or without even one proven goaltender, not taking anything away uh, from Will Gursky or Gage Alexander, I just don't see how this team has enough to you know breed success based off their preseason and how those two guys performed. Yeah, hard to disagree with that when you look at the goaltenders, and to me. Winnipeg should be in the market to get a goaltender, and to me there are two or three teams around the league with extra goalies. Seems like there's a trade that could be made uh, that Winnipeg could address that big hole right now. 
uh, on the back end for uh, Winnipeg. What do you make of their uh, – they got two overagers with Reese Harsh and Chase Harchie on the back end. Marco Kreta is there as well. So they have some veteran experience, but these are basically journeymen uh, who have been passed around the league. Yeah, and like you mentioned, guys who haven't really done a whole lot, they've been shipped around the Western Hockey League, and that's that's really where I do see them at this point. Um, I don't see them making a huge, huge impact, although they need to. Overage players, veteran players, like you mentioned, they have to make a difference. Reese Harsh in the preseason had two points. Uh, Carson Lambos, a young guy, I like him. Uh, he's a rookie. I think this guy has the capabilities of being a strong, very strong Western Hockey League player. He had two points in the preseason, two assists. Um, uh, but I just, I, I just don't see enough defensively from this team to have any sort of success. And then you lift note that with their goaltending struggles, that if they don't have Jesse McKay back very soon, yeah. um, it, it's just hard to predict any sort of success. Uh, for a team that, you know, I think is going to struggle on the back end with players who not, you know, discrediting them, but they haven't, you know, proven perhaps what they want to prove so far. Although James Patrick was uh, very optimistic that some of the guys like Reese Harsh is going to have a very good year this year. Uh, but I'm just not too optimistic when it comes to uh, the goaltenders for sure. And then the back end, very, very uh, not, not, I don't want to say they're going to be near the bottom of the league as far as production uh, defensively and locking down the other team's top players, but uh, I think it's a team that needs needs some sort of big piece to uh, fill in their decor. Well, and when you mentioned Carson Lambos, looking forward to him, but tough to really heap a, a whole lot of expectations on a uh, 16-year-old rookie to come in and, and be a complete uh, difference maker. Then you have Anson McMaster, who comes in as a rookie this year, and he's a uh, the first pick in the second round of the 2017 draft. Six foot six, 195 pounds. I haven't had a chance to watch him with my own eyes, but could this be a guy that maybe surprises with his impact? You know what? For, for how good these some of these kids are coming out of young age, I talked about Matthew Savoy. He's only 15 years old, but going back, obviously, to McMaster, you talked about his size, and for Carson Lambos, for how good these guys are at a young age, um, you know, it, it's hard to put a lot of expectations on them being uh, so young, but you almost have to because... They're coming into this league. Everybody knows their history. Everybody knows their past, how much success they had at the Bantam levels and moving up through the Pee Wee and Adam levels. Why not put expectations on these guys? Like, they're at the Western Hockey League level for a reason. Yes, I understand they're a rookie. I understand it's tougher than them uh, compared to a 20-year-old, but why not put the pressure on them? And I think that's only going to help them moving forward into the future. And I think, uh, just like Moose Jaw, Winnipeg's a team for the future, not for the now, uh, specifically with some really good guys headlined by, uh, obviously, Matthew Savoy and Connor McLennan, Anson McMaster, Carson Lambos. This is a team who has a lot of young talent. Uh, I don't know if that's a talent to perhaps have the success right now, but I think you have to put some um, expectations on these guys to perform uh, because they really are the uh, pillar of this franchise. We've kind of painted the picture that we expect Winnipeg to give up a lot of goals this year, uh, especially with their goaltending situation the way it is as you and I are speaking right now, and maybe that changes uh, in the next week or two, but as of right now, uh, we expect them to give up some goals. That means they're going to have to score a lot. They might have to score four or five goals a night to get a win, can this team produce that much offense? When you look at this forward group, I see a lot of talent. A lot of it is rookies, though. Uh, and, of course, one big question mark with Peyton Krebs and how long he's going to be out. Yeah, uh, when talking about Peyton Krebs with James Patrick, again, he was he just said, uh, you know, he's in Vegas, he's rehabbing. He didn't really – wasn't 
uh, at the liberty to say any more than that, but that takes a guy who uh, last year led his team. Um, but yeah, Connor McLennan, a guy who's played for the Halinka team or Team Canada at the Halinka Gretzky Cup, he had four points in the preseason. Cole Muir, Matthew Savoy, uh, Smallwood as well had a couple of points. This is a team that has the capabilities of putting up offense. Like you mentioned, they're going to need to have to score four or five goals to win a hockey game. Will these young guys be able to do that? I don't know. I don't, like. There's so much pressure on Matthew Savoy, I think, and that goes back to the putting the pressure on rookies. People are already talking about this guy as the rookie of the year. He might only play, you know, 35 games in that ballpark, and people are thinking he's going to be the rookie of the year. If he does that, he's going to have to put up an insurmountable amount of points in those 35 or whatever games he plays to even been in that conversation. So I think he's feeling the pressure internally, albeit he's only 15 years old, and he's going to need to have a, a wonderful season. I expect Connor McLennan 30 points last year. I think he's going to step up. He's come more fit to camp. He obviously made Team Canada. He had a couple of points overseas for Team Canada at the Helenka Gretzky Cup. So I expect those two guys to uh, be very successful. I don't know if they're going to be able to score four or five goals a game. I think it's going to be a tough season overall for Winnipeg in their first season back in uh, Manitoba's capital. But I think they'll be okay uh, to put up some points and perhaps more points than they're expected to. But I don't know if the four or five goals a game is going to be seen too, too often, unless they're playing teams, you know, like we mentioned, have a, a tough back end and not that much goaltending. Right. Goaltending lines. Well, an interesting pickup with Isaac Johnson as an overage player this year who had basically a point per game last year in an injury-shortened season. If he could keep up that production, that would be good for them. And the imports, Nino Kinder and, and Michael Tepley coming in, I don't know if you've had a chance to see them or not yet, but some interest, interesting uh, players there, those two. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I've got to talk about Isaac Johnson. What a pickup that was uh, for Winnipeg. Like you mentioned, 32 points in 31 games last year. He had 12 goals. And in the season prior to that, he had 48 points in 68 games and 13 points in 14 playoff games. So this guy has shown he knows what it takes to score in the Western Hockey League. And he also played well in the United States Hockey League. That was an absolutely fantastic pickup uh, for the Winnipeg guys. And he's going to be relied heavily, heavily upon uh, to have a very good season in his final in the Western Hockey League. And Michael Tepley, I think a lot of guys forget Tepley is actually uh, a draft pick of the Chicago Blackhawks. He was just recently reassigned by the Blackhawks to Winnipeg. And I think a lot of people forget that. He was obviously uh, the fourth pick by Winnipeg overall at the CHL import draft. And I expect big things from him. I'm putting a lot of pressure on him to do big things. I know he's going to be working with a young core. When it comes to Nino Kinder, um, I don't think the expectations are as high on Kinder as they are as Tepley and perhaps if we're speaking Isaac Johnson. Uh, but I still expect Kinder to, you know, go out there and put up a good amount of points as well as Tepley if this team wants to have that success because, you know, we talk so much about the young guys, McClendon, Savoy, uh, these imports, James, Pat James Patrick thinks very highly of them and they have to go out and perform. All right, we've got Moose Jaw 6, Winnipeg 5th. Who's your 4th place team, Darnell? 4th place team, uh, I have to go with the Prince Albert Raiders. Oh, wow. Um, I know they're, I know, I know uh, Western Hockey League champions last year, they returned a good core of players. 
Um, one player I, I like to think about, uh, just 60 in last year, didn't play a whole lot, played in 60-plus uh, regular season games. And in the playoffs, Jacob Brook, um, he's currently out with a lower body injury. He's expecting to be back um, as soon as he can. You look at the preseason, Ozzie Weisblatt led that team. The Weisblatt brothers, there's like 12 of them. All of them are playing uh, a high-level hockey. He had six goals and one assist. Uh, that's very good. Evan Herman, a guy who played in the Manitoba Junior Hockey League a little bit last year, a couple of games uh, with the OCN Blizzard. Um, but I, I just don't think this team is what they were last year, obviously after winning the Western Hockey League, not really having a whole lot of success um, at the Memorial Cup, as we know. But I just don't think after Ozzie Weisblatt, points-wise, they had a, Ilya Uso had six points and then down to four and a couple guys with four and then three and down to one even. Um, I don't think this team is deep enough offensively to uh, push themselves after some big key off-season losses after last year's really obviously exceptional year. Well, up front, you get Alexi Protus back and uh, Cole Fonstad back uh, again this year, and uh, both of those guys have offensive backgrounds. Yeah, I mean, those guys do have offensive backgrounds, and this is a team that's going to be able to score. They're going to put up offense, but I don't think they're going to be able to put up a consistent amount of offense. I specifically don't expect Ozzie Weisblatt to continue up with this torrid pace. He's on six goals and five preseason games. I, I think that's going to taper off a little bit. The two fellows you just mentioned, I expect to see big things out of them, but you can't win a hockey, uh, you can't win, you know, a regular season title and games on a consistent basis with just two guys. There's too many good players in this league, especially guys who are, you know, 16 and 17. They have all of the energy in the world to, you know, play as hard as they can, whether it be 20 minutes a night or 15 or even down to 10 to try and lock down. There's a lot of good defenders in this league. I just don't think Prince Albert has the consistency offensively to uh, do anything close to what they did last year. Their blue line, though, is uh, it was the strength of their club last year, kind of without a marquee name on it. Uh, but this year, most of those guys are back. And I mean, eligible to return. They still have four 20-year-olds listed right now. So they've got a decision to make. But Brady Pahal and Max Martin and Zach Hayes and Jerry Masella, Caden Gooley comes back as a sophomore now, but all of those guys have a ton of experience. Yeah, Max Martin, uh, you mentioned he had four points in the preseason. He's going to be a lockdown guy for this team. I think this is going to be a team very strong defensively. And why am I picking them fourth in the East Division? Yes, I think they're going to have a lot of strength defensively, but it's offensively. I think they're going to have troubles putting the puck in the net. And, you know, they, the old cliche, I hate using it, but it is true. Defense wins championships. But at the end of the day, you have to be able to score goals. You're seeing the Western Hockey League so much skill offensively putting the puck in the back of the net often. Uh, a lot of games you're seeing five six goal games you know frequently throughout the weekend and you know 15 games you're probably going to see you know five or six at least one team has you know five or six goals um, so I think if they if Prince Albert wants to have any success this year they can uh, last year obviously what they did they need to get their defense incorporated Max Martin like I mentioned had a very good preseason and then you go down to Nolan Allen he's a rookie he had one point and Braden Clark had one point but no defense uh, no defender on Prince Albert had more points than Max Martin with his four in the preseason I, I don't think that bodes very well I think this is a team that needs to score from the back end if they wish to have success the biggest question mark for me, at least, when I look at the Raiders, is in net. Uh, right now, Boston Beloas appears to be their starter. He has a 35 games of experience and only eight wins uh, in the WHL. Uh, that's got to be a concern. 
Absolute 100% concern. I think that's one of the bigger concerns around the Western Hockey League in net anyways. Like you mentioned, 35 games played. He's won just eight games. Not really other good numbers. Save percentage and goals against average aren't that great either. Uh, that's a huge, huge concern for me because you could have the best defense in the league. But if your goaltender can't make a save at the end of the game, you could only give up 15 shots a game. But if you're giving up three or four goals, it's likely that you're not going to win hockey games. Um, so goaltending is a big problem. And just like you mentioned with Mooshaw or Winnipeg, rather, maybe they're in the conversation to pick up someone from the in the goaltending aspect because uh, that's a big, big no-no right now for me. Anyways, he could come out and you know shock people with the good defensive lockdown plays from their defenders uh, led by Max Martin, but. Uh, that's a big question mark for me, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he's capable of doing on a consistent night-to-night basis in the Western Hockey League. We're halfway through the division, Darnell. Uh, who's your third-place team? Third-place team, I think yeah, it's going to be the Regina Pats this year. Okay. I think uh, two and three in the preseason. We talk about a lot of guys they've lost over the last few years, but I think they got a, a couple of good guys. Dawson Holt had a very good preseason. Austin Pratt. Tyler Call and Garrett Wright, those, all those guys, uh, they combined for 21 points in the preseason. I think their goaltending is decent. I think they have what it takes, um, defensively as well. I think, they think this is going to be a pretty well-rounded team. They scored 20 goals in the preseason, so that was second best in the East Division preseason-wise. They gave up 28. That's a cause for concern because that's a lot of goals, but it's hard to sort of look at those because you play, a, you know, a rookie game here and there and you give up several goals in that game, and you got guys, you know, shifting in and out. You don't have your full starting lineup out really at any point throughout the preseason. So that's a cause for concern. But I think Regina, after, uh, you know, a couple of good years and hosting the Memorial Cup, I expect them to not be in the top echelon of the Western, of the East Division, but I expect them to be right in the middle. And back into a playoff picture uh, after just a couple of years since hosting the tournament. That would, I mean, lofty uh, expectations, but uh, you look at the overage trio for that club with Dawson Holt, Robbie Holmes, and Austin Pratt, and that's a pretty good uh, overage uh, a trio that they're they're going to be able to lean on for some offense. That's a fantastic. I, 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 you look around the league. Is there for a trio wise overage? Is there a better trio of overage players in the entire Western Hockey League? And we talked about the points. Dawson and Austin had fourteen in the preseason combined, and they played just eleven man games between them. They know how to score. They know how to put the puck in the back of the net, and they also have nice hands to set things up and get other guys incorporated in the offense. My only question with them is I think we're going to see them on the ice a lot with the uh, rigorous Western Hockey League schedule. Of course, all the travel, you got to go down to BC and that sort of thing. Um, will they sort of tire out as the season goes on? I think that's the biggest, my biggest question mark with those uh, overage players for them. Two teams left to go. Who is the second best team in the East Division? Second best team, the Brandon Weekings. They got a lot of skill this year. They have offense. Yuri Patera has come back from Vegas. He played fantastic in his first preseason game. He made 33 saves on 35 shots. Solid of them, or several of them rather, were top-notch quality. Probably should have won that game. Uh, they lost 2-1 to one to Moostraw in a obviously defensive, stingy game. But Brandon, I think they're pretty well-rounded. They got a lot of skill up front. They got some on the back end. And Yuri Patera, I expect to be one of the best goalies in the Western Hockey League this year. And I think he's feeling that pressure too to uh, produce and 
get wins for this team when if they don't score, you know, four or five goals, they only score one goal, he's probably going to lean on himself to get a shout-out, or if they score two, he only wants to allow one goal. This is a good team, I think, this year, Brandon, after missing the postseason last year, after a dismal 2-7-1 and one ending uh, to their season in the last 10 games, I think they're going to have a very good rebound year here. We're used to seeing offense from the back end uh, when it comes to the Brandon Weekings. I know Braden Schneider is expected to be a first-round pick this year in the NHL draft, but do you do you see much offense from the, the blue line with the Wheaties this year? I don't know if I see a whole lot of uh, offense from the back end. Vincent Iorio had three assists in the preseason in his three games. He was a minus one, though, so uh, that's not a stat you'd love to see. Um, but other than that, defensively-wise, Nathan Salam had two points. I don't see a whole lot. Braden Schneider, one goal. You just mentioned he's supposed to be a top draft pick, so he needs to step things up. I don't see a whole lot of offense from the back end, but I think uh, they're, they're forwards-wise are going to be able to, cap, uh, you know, I guess take over for that and uh, fill the spots very nicely. All right, who are those guys up front that you expect to lead the way? Well, Ridley Gregg obviously played for Team Canada at the Holinka Gretzky Cup. He had four points in the preseason. All four of those came in a win against Mushta on Friday night. Nolan Ritchie, he's from Brandon. He's a rookie, but he doesn't play like a rookie. He uses a lot of speed. He was a star with uh, the Brandon Wheat Kings U18 team, so he's you know go, gone through the farm system, so to speak. He had four points. Cole Reinhardt had three goals in their Canadiens intra-squad game uh, way back. Uh, I guess that was just early September, uh, but I think those three guys are three studs. And then Lyndon McCallum, Ty Thorpe, who's had one goal all of last year, Ty Thorpe did. He scored two goals in their preseason opener against the Winnipeg Ice. Talking with Darren Ritchie, he expects this guy uh, to come out and have a different um, play to him. He's going to put up a lot more points. Connor Gutenberg, Jake Chason's a rookie. He had two points. There's guys on this team that can score, and I think can score at a very, very high level. Well, Luca Burzan uh, didn't get a mention, and I think he might lead the team in scoring this year. And happy to see that he got drafted uh, last year after uh, being passed over the year before. And Marcus Callian Keeley comes in as the other uh, import player, another Vegas Golden Knights pick. Not a surprise there to see that connection between the Wheat Kings and the Knights. But after a year in the USHL, this guy could be an impact player this year, too. Yeah, it's actually funny that I didn't bring up Luca Burzan. Yeah, I had a fantastic year last year, and he's expected to once again uh, lead this team in points. And yeah, Kelly and Kelly, like you mentioned, played in the USHL last year, had a very productive season with Sioux City. Uh, Darren Ritchie expects big things from him. Um, he's currently rehabbing from an injury, so you don't know how long that's going to last or when he's going to get to Brandon. He hasn't reported there at all, but he had 53 points in 58 games last year. 29 of those were goals. Uh, you expect big things from this guy. He's an 18-year-old first year in the league, but he's got to be someone who Brandon relies on heavily this season, and I don't think he's going to crumble under any of that pressure. I think he's going to be a guy who uh, puts up a lot of points and shows why Brandon is very lucky to pick him up. All right, and by process of elimination, the top team uh, in the East Division for you would be the Saskatoon Blades, and I guess the big question is how much of that is dependent on the return of Kirby Dock? A lot is dependent on that. Uh, he entered, obviously, was hit in a preseason uh, game in the NHL with the Chicago Blackhawks. He um, obviously went into concussion protocol there. That was a scary scene. Never wanted to see that. I think regardless of if Kirby Doc returns or not, the Doc show will continue in Saskatoon. Colton Doc had a really, really good preseason. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of guys that can score. They have really good goaltending. Saskatoon is a really well-rounded team. Uh, Kyle Serkovich had nine points in the 
preseason, then Colt Dock, like I mentioned, a rookie, he had six points. Like, there's so many rookies in this league this year that aren't playing with rookies because they played in the farm system so well, being U18, wherever they did play. They worked so hard, had good off-seasons. Um, this is a, really a star-studded team, and I expect them to have a whole lot of success this year. No question about the, their net mining. Nolan Meyer is going to be a fantastic junior hockey goaltender. Didn't get drafted last year, so we don't know about his, his pro upside uh, per se, but uh, he's going to provide Sastoon with top quality net mining. What one hundred percent? He's a guy who is is going to I think be in the conversation for uh, goaltender of the year when it all comes down to it. Saskatoon obviously last year had a really good showing. Nolan was great there. They fell short eventually in the playoffs to the eventual Western Hockey League champions. But I expect Nolan to come in this year do the same as what he did last year when he had a two two sixty four goals against average and a nine ten save percentage and good numbers in the postseason. I expect him to do the identical things uh, this season to what we saw last year. Uh, he's really going to fuel this um, Saskatoon Blades team to a lot of success. All right, and I guess lastly, uh, maybe two more quick ones. How many of these teams do you think actually get into the playoffs? Uh, I think it's I think it's going to be three. Uh, I, I'm very confident. I mean, I think I'm confident in saying it's going to be three teams, Saskatoon, Brandon, and Regina, I really think are going to be the three teams that come out of the East Division. I think it's going to be highly competitive. I think it's going to be close, but at the end of the day, I think we're going to see uh, three of the six get into the postseason. All right, and that was going to be my final question. Is is there a, a team or two? Is it like a, a bit of a vanguard where you have two really good teams and the rest of the division is kind of fighting to get into that playoff spot, or do you think there's a gap between any any sort of uh, like a tier inside the division. Yeah, I think we see Brandon at Saskatoon atop the division, and then I think you see uh, the four other teams battling for that final, what I think will be a final playoff spot between Regina, Moose Jaw, Winnipeg, and Prince Albert. I think it's the top two, and then you go down to the bottom four. I think Prince Albert has a chance to, a very good chance to get into that third seed, in my prediction anyways, uh, leapfrog Regina, but uh, definitely, it's definitely two in that four situation where the four are battling for what I think will be that one last one. All right, so to recap, you've got, uh, going from uh, bottom to the top, you've got Moose Jaw at the bottom, yep, six. Moose Jaw, Winnipeg. Winnipeg, Prince Albert, Regina, Brandon, and the Saskatoon Blades on top. That's my six. I know a lot of people are probably uh, perhaps shaking their head when I say Prince Albert. <laughs> I think they're going to be the fourth seed. Uh, but yeah, I think that's just how the uh, the chips are going to fall. Excellent. Darnell, I really appreciate your time. Uh, great job, and uh, I look forward to having you back on the show. Pleasure's mine. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. There's the first of our uh, WHL divisional previews. Uh, thanks to uh, Darnell for uh, stopping by from dubnetwork.ca. I promised at the start of the show that after uh, we heard the interviews, I would then give my own personal predictions uh, for the final standings in each division. So so let's get to that. And uh, I do see things differently than Darnell does. I think Darnell put a lot more weight into the preseason than uh, than I certainly do. And I know I, there, there are a few teams that um, are uh, patrons of uh, the Pipeline Show at patreon.com slash the Pipeline Show. And uh, one of those GMs uh, reached out to me and got in touch with me and said, it's a, a, a risk in putting so much stock in uh, in what happens in the preseason. And uh, they obviously had heard the interview, that interview, uh, because that's been available in early access for patrons at patreon.com slash the pipeline show. It's been available uh, for days now. But regardless, uh, my own personal uh Prediction for the division goes like this. I have Regina as uh, the last place team. 
Uh, for me, there's just there's not a lot there. I I like the three overage players, but but I don't see a whole lot of op- offensive depth uh, with the Regina Pats. Um, so for me, I have the Pats uh, last with Moose Jaw right there as well. I think both of those teams will be uh, at the bottom, and there there's going to be a gap between them and uh, the other four in the East. For me, the Winnipeg Ice uh, come in at number four. A big question mark in net for me. I think uh, that's a position they're going to need to upgrade uh, over the course of the season. I have the Brandon Weekings as the third place team and uh, the Prince Albert Raiders coming in number two. And I think uh, those two could be very tight together. And the uh, Sassoon Blades I have as the number one team. And and for me, how much do I put into uh, the Kirby Doc situation? I expect him back. If he's not back, I think they're probably still the, the top team. I think they have the best netminder in the division, uh, and they have uh, they have depth as well. So I'm going Saskatoon 1, followed by Prince Albert, Brandon, Winnipeg, Moose Jaw, and Regina, and I have uh, the first four teams making the playoffs. Those are my predictions. You can let me know what you think of that. Hit me up on Twitter at TPS underscore Gee. Next up, we move to the Central Division. Glenn Erickson is my guest, also from Dub Network. Let's see what he thinks about... The teams in Alberta, plus the Swift Current Broncos. That's next, here on the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Down the left side, pass over to Ashton. Oh, what a stop! Darcy Kemper, what a gutsy performance this evening at the NMAX Centria. This is Cam Moon, voice of the Red Deer Rebels, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. Nothing compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Comes around, it's all around. Don't you mean what's all around comes around, Ricky? We are back on the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, and we go from the East Division to the Central Division, uh, continuing on with our WHL preview brought to you by dubnetwork.ca. It's an in the dub segment. Stay up to date on everything happening around the Western Hockey League by visiting dubnetwork.ca. Do it every day. You subscribe to your daily dose of the dub. Comes right to your inbox. Really convenient. Uh, I certainly, uh, that's the way I start most of my mornings off. Uh, and my guest uh, to break down the Central Division is uh, Glenn Erickson. Uh, Glenn, well, welcome uh, back to the Pipeline Show, and I guess welcome to the Central Division after uh, being in Kelowna for so long. You're getting excited, though, for the WHL season down in Medicine Hat. Yeah, you bet. You know, it's uh, it's uh, nice to be in a junior hockey city uh, this time of year. A uh, little under the weather here today. We'll do our best to, to struggle through and make this tolerable uh, Beware the ailing freelancer. <laughs> all right, well, we'll we'll make do. Uh, all right, the way we're we're going about this is we're looking at the six teams in the division, and we're going to kind of go in reverse order. So 
the team that you think is going to struggle the most this year and finish in last place in the division. We'll start with that club and uh, move up the list. So who's that team that you think is going to finish at the bottom this year? Well, kind of a toss-up, uh, I guess, uh, Red Deer Rebels and Swift Current Broncos. Uh, you know, for my money, I think Red Deer is going to be in tough, uh, potentially your last-place finisher. Uh, you know, hard to say exactly what Red Deer was all about uh, a few weeks ago, but uh, it looks to me like it, it's all about the youth movement. Uh, you know, a couple of deals of late when, you know, Jacob Harris and Alex Morozov were uh, sent to uh, Victoria and Seattle, respectively. Uh, you know, there were a couple of the older guys on the roster and uh, you know, I guess if the Rebels have confidence that some of the young up-and-comers um, are going to see a little more ice time uh, this season, um, maybe those deals make some sense. And, uh, you know, I remember hearing Brent Sutter speak with you a few weeks ago, and, and he suggested that this season uh, this might be the youngest team that he's ever coached. Hmm. And, you know, he indicated he was, was pretty excited about, about that prospect. So uh, I think the Rebels will be in tough, uh, a young hockey team, um, I think some tough times in Red Deer this winter. All right, well, when we look closer at that roster, uh, certainly Ethan Anders, though, gives him a fighting chance every night in net. Uh, I know you're you're new to the conference, so you didn't get to see Red Deer every day uh, last year or, or frequently last year, but um, Anders can steal some games. But you, you make a good point about how young they are this year, and I look at that blue line, and, boy, a year or two from now, that defensive core for Red Deer could be pretty uh, pretty interesting to, to look at. Um, but I guess when you have a young team, one of those things you have to worry about is, how quickly that transition is to get used to this level, what, how long that could take. Fair? Absolutely. Yeah, fair comment. And Ethan Andrus, uh, interesting. If my research is accurate, he, uh, if he starts this weekend, that'll be his 100th appearance. Uh, mm. So there's a guy who is used to the rigors in the Western Hockey League. And anytime you've got a goaltender, it gives you a chance to win. I think the players up front uh, will, will certainly play with some confidence. Uh, again, with a young team, I always look at the overage group too because uh, – you know, think about it. You're a 20 year old and, and you kind of look around the room and you have a pretty good feeling out of the gate that you're not in for a deep playoff room. So, or pardon me, a playoff run. And, and I guess when you're part of that kind of an overage group, um, in my mind, that makes you a pretty special player because your contribution is really going to be, uh, important for the development of the young guys. It looks like Cameron Hausinger, Ethan Sakowicz and, Brett Davis, a couple of uh, forwards and a defenseman. Uh, there can be some movement with the overagers, of course. Uh, so it's a big year for Dawson Bartow as well. You know, coming back from Dallas Stars camp, uh, mm-hmm. he's going to want to have as good a year as possible because uh, it's all about those uh, entry-level contracts, isn't it? it? It certainly is. And for a guy like that, he's going to be really motivated. And and Anders, uh, going back to Ethan Anders, not drafted last year, so he's going to have some mo- motivation, uh, extra motivation for him as well. And a couple of uh, notables up front uh, I think are worth mentioning. Newcomer rookie this year, Jaden Grube, who was taken uh, very early in that 2018 draft. And that 2018 draft, boy, there's going to be a lot of those guys making their debut, full-time debut this year. But uh, Grube was taken seventh overall that year and uh, saw him in the preseason when the, the Rebels came through Edmonton. He's already 6'2", 6'3", and closing in on 200 pounds. He looks like the real deal. But again young so maybe we got to temper expectations a bit yeah the future looks bright though doesn't it yeah. and, and i think that's got to be exciting for the fan base there you know that's a hockey city in red deer and and i i think that these people recognize that uh, there might be some pain before some gain and um you know what the rebels future does look very bright i think they're in for a tough season this year but look out a couple of years down the road 
All right. Well, we go from uh, Red Deer, and you mentioned it was between they, they and uh, the Swift Current Broncos, so I'm assuming the Broncos are your, your fifth-place team. Uh, why do you see them struggling this year? Well, Swift Current, I guess maybe that goes to my Saskatchewan roots. But uh, <laughs> you know what? Swift Current, I was able to see them in the preseason. They played, a, I guess we'll call it a neutral site game, in Irvine, Alberta, against the Medicine Hat Tigers. And uh, had an opportunity to speak with Dean Brockman uh before the game, I just think the Brockman's an easy guy to pull for. He's he's been, you know, in some tough situations with uh, with some hockey teams that haven't been particularly deep. Of course, Saskatoon, and then coming into Swift Current after their championship season. Mm-hmm. When Swift Current came in to that preseason game, they brought the beef. I was real impressed with some of the players on the hockey club, how big they were, and how they were able to move. I was able to watch the game from ice level. Uh, real impressed. One of the things I like about Swift Current too, um, gosh, they had the first CHL uh, import draft pick yep. and landed a defenseman out of Finland by the name of Casper Pudio. And this kid is just an outstanding skater. Um, I think that he is a guy who's really going to help the rest of the defense, of course, sort of buy time in uh, the defending zone and looks like a guy who is going to be able to really help get the puck up ice. Um, he's, he reminds me of Lassie Thompson in Kelowna from last season. Mm. Uh, Thompson arrived uh, last year in Kelowna with a fracture, but, uh, took the BC division by storm. And, you know, obviously 19th pick overall at the NHL draft by the Ottawa Senators. Uh, my only hope for Sergeant is that Casper Pudio, uh, is not, uh, a one and done, uh, in, Swift Current because he's a guy that uh, certainly I think will benefit from exposure this year in uh, his draft year. Yeah, I don't know if he's uh, you know one of those players that are here on loan from their team. You go back to Julius Honka and you mentioned Lassie Thompson, similar situations where they were allowed to come over for the year, but they're under contract back home and they play this year, get drafted and, and go back to Finland next year. I don't know if that's the situation or not with uh, Puccio, but uh, now, it's definitely a player to watch for when you're taking first overall uh, in the entire CHL import draft. Uh, there's got to be something yeah, there. But the pipeline from Finland, uh, he was current. Uh, you know, you think what happened to Andy a few years ago. And, uh, yeah. You know, Brockman shared with me that uh, that he did have some input in, in talking to Pudio about uh, the experience of Swift, Swift Current. But, you know, beyond him as, as just one potentially elite player in Swift Current, you know, that can elevate the entire group. Uh, you know, I, I don't mind the 20s. You know, Ethan O'Rourke, uh, Zach Cox, Jake Kuska. Um, you know, O'Rourke and Cox, you know, they're, they're huge. 6'4", 6'5". And forward kind of can, 6'4". They move pretty well, uh, you know, in the U.S. On the fence, Austin Heron, Toronto Morning, Kit, kids, 6'4", 6'3". So, you know, I think that this year, Swift Current, uh, we made a little weekend goal. Isaac Coulter and Jordan Fairley right now, the tandem, lost less than 30 games between them. The Western so one of those guys is going to have to emerge. But uh, I think Swift Current is going to be very difficult to play against uh, this year. I think that uh, they're going to make teams work real hard uh, to get deep into the uh, attacking zone. Um, you know what? I also, I just think Swift Current, I think they're due, uh, they're due for a bit of a turnaround and uh, they might just... They might just edge the Rebels by a nose for fifth place. All right, we'll watch for that. Having a bit of phone trouble, but I did hear you mention Zach Cox. Good example of how quickly things can change at this time of year in the dub 
they've parted ways with Zach Cox and released him, so uh, he's not in the picture now uh, for the Broncos uh, for this year. So they've got Ethan Rourke, uh, excuse me, Ethan O'Rourke, uh, and uh, Jake Kuser on the back end, and they they just brought in somebody else, but the uh, the roster update isn't uh, available on the uh, the WHL's uh, website uh, just yet. And you know it's funny how that'll you know these things will change day to day. And then Zach had an opportunity in Lethbridge last year, and, and yeah. Dean Brockman spoke highly of him uh, being a guy that they thought they could lean on. But you know what? If someone came in there and did a better job and impressed the coaching staff, that's just the nature of the beast at, at this time of year. And uh, you know, Swift Current's doing everything they can to to make sure that the cover's not there. All right, Glenn Erickson from uh, Dub Network, my guest here on the Pipeline Show, as we look at the WHL Central Division. And uh, in my mind, I don't know if you agree or not, but there's there's six teams in the division, but there's four and then a gap and then two, the two that we've just talked about. I think there is a significant gap between the the top four and the bottom two. Um, who is your team that will finish in fourth, uh, Glenn? I'm picking Lethbridge uh, at this point. I think uh, they will go how uh, Kalen Addison and Dylan Cousins go. Uh, you know, the upside is that uh, those are two very uh, elite players. They were, they were, you know, near top of the heap last season in the Central. Um, you know, does Jordy Bellary have come back this year too? So there are some questions. I do think Lethbridge's team size again. I think they're going to make it difficult for other teams. Uh, they are big, big up front. Uh, look for a big season from Logan Barlaghi this year. I've seen him from time to time with just a quick release, but gosh, you know, he's, he's a big, big power forward. Um, the twenties, uh, interesting situation there. DJ Jerome, uh, is a guy that I was able to see, uh, well, he was a member of the Victoria Royals. He's got some, uh, offensive skill, but depending on what happens, uh, with some of the guys that are at NHL camps, uh, you know, DJ might be a guy on the outside looking in. Ty Prefontaine, big defenseman there, um, ex of the Saskatoon contacts, uh, mm. a midget organization, Coltrane Wilson, uh, that might be the best name in the central division. Uh, you know what? Uh, they've got a big import defenseman in Pavilco at 6-6. Belarus played 61 games last year. You know, uh, if, if all of these guys come back into the fold, I think they're going to be a big, tough physical team to play against. My concern with the Hurricanes uh, is in net. And I know Carl Tedichuk was kind of thrown into a, a tough situation when uh, Liam Hughes uh, decided to retire early last year after that trade from Seattle. And they did what they could uh, with uh, Tedichuk, but I thought goaltending kind of let them down uh, when, when it came time for the playoffs. And uh, I think they could upgrade there. And I, I'm looking at a couple of teams in the league that might have extra goaltenders. Certainly Vancouver comes to mind. Uh, and I could see uh, a, a, a trade potential to add a goaltender. And maybe if it's even a, an overage goaltender um, like uh, like David Tendek or something, that would uh, cause problems with the, the current uh, 20-year-olds that are in Lethbridge. But... For me, the big question mark right now with the Hurricanes is a net. How about, how do you feel about their goaltending? Yeah, you know, I I totally agree with you. And and you know, I've known Peter Anhol for years, as as you have. Uh, he is not afraid to pull the trigger if yeah. he if he feels that there's a a good opportunity there. Um, you know, Byron Thompson um, again, a big goaltender, six six. You know, he was a Lethbridge uh, Hurricanes second round uh, pick at the Bantam draft. So, you know. I don't think I'm going out on a limb suggesting that the scouting staff want to see what this guy can do. After all, that's a pretty high pick. But uh, again, he's young. Uh, if uh, 
if the Hurricanes were able to land a veteran, you know, say a guy like a Tendick, I think it would be costly because Vancouver's not going to give him away. Uh, by the same token, um, you know what? Now you've got a veteran goaltender who can steal you some games, and I think that would potentially elevate Lethbridge in the standings in the Central. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's the way I feel about the the Hurricanes as well. But uh, lots of pieces still alike. I don't, I don't expect Jordy Bellreve back to you. Well, I don't expect any of them. I've joked uh, with some guys here lately. I've said, let's hallucinate for a moment and suggest <laughs> that Bellreve, Lasician, and Henry return. Not a chance. But if those three ever ended up back in the fold, that your overage situation is in flux. But now you've got a team that likely is, is challenging for. Uh, a Western Hockey League championship. Get one of them back, and it's probably a guy that you deal at the trade deadline. Yeah. So again, there you know would be a myriad of, of of possibilities. But you know, again, that's why some of the conversations in September can be tricky because uh, an overage deadline second week of October, or a trade deadline second week in January, lots of things are going to change. We're halfway through the division. Who finishes in third for you, Glenn? Well, your Edmonton Oil King. Okay. Uh, and that's another close race. Um, maybe a bit of a homer choice when we get to my second place team. But, uh, you know, I definitely like what is happening in Edmonton. I think that they benefit from, um, Connor McDonald being, uh, yesterday, 50 points last season um, on the blue line. That really helps. Um, I like Riley Sawchuk, who came over from Tri City Americans. I think that the Oil Kings probably have some, some good plans for him. Um, Dylan Miskew and goal as a 20. If, if those are the three overages in Edmonton, I, I like that mix. Uh, you know, one in each department. The question I guess I would ask about the goaltending situation, maybe you could shed some light. Would Todd Scott be the backup goaltender? Would he be the backup there as a 19? He's a, he's a big kid, good goaltender. See, the thing is right now, I think the goalie who's most secure is Sebastian Kosa. I think they really want him to be the backup this year. And I'm not sure which way they're going with either Miskew or, or Scott. Um, now that they've made the, the, the other trade, uh, which we'll get to with, uh, Parker Gallus going to Medicine Hat, they, they don't have the pressure of adjusting their 20 year old situation, but I don't know that I'm, I'm necessarily uh, convinced that they're, they're not going to, uh, which way they're going to go with their goaltender. They could still trade Dylan Miskew and I think he would have some value around the league because he was one of the, the top goalies, uh, not just in the regular season, but in the playoffs last year and maybe uh, get another 20-year-old uh, for a different position. And Todd Scott, I, he hasn't established himself as a bona fide starter yet in the WHL, so there, there's a risk to doing either or, and I'm not sure which way the Oil Kings are leaning. Well, then you move up and on, on defense, you know, again, you know, Matt Robertson is, is a guy who is you know, going to log a ton of minutes. Certainly McDonald coming back is going to take some pressure off there. Mm-hmm. Um, move up front. You know, how did and uh, Jake Neighbors, how, how do they emerge this season? Uh, that's that's going to be a a big deal, I think. But um, you know, in my opinion, the Oil Kings lost have lost the best player in the Central Division from last season in Trey Fixel. Yeah. So, you know, how do you replace the minutes and the production there? Uh, you know, probably by committee. I guess that's the term we might hear. But uh, I'm just not 100 percent uh, certain. That riddle has been solved yet. Well, they they definitely have lost a lot. Not just Trey Fix-Wolanski, but Vince Laschiavo has gone. Uh, Quinn Benjafield is gone. I, I think it's five of their top six scorers from last year are all gone. At the same time, they do have some guys uh, and high-quality players who are going to take on bigger roles. You mentioned Jake Neighbors. 
Dylan Gunther, former first overall pick in that 2018 draft, comes in. He is uh, looking every bit the score that you would hope a uh, a first overall pick would be in. And other guys who will take on bigger roles this year that played further down the depth start last year, like Carter Such and, and Scott Atkinson, they're going to take on uh, bigger roles this year and, and uh, look like they're they're capable of it. I'm, I'm really curious to see what Riley Sawchuk looks like as a full-time uh, oil king. You don't want to put too much stock in a preseason, but had nine or ten points uh, in the preseason. So good start there. Vlad Alistrov should take on a uh, uh, take a, a step forward in his development this year. So um, and the one guy who uh, there seems to always be one guy in, for every team that uh, looks leaps and bounds ahead of where they were the year before. For me, that guy with the Oil Kings is Jalen Lipen, who was like a third, fourth line guy last year. He really is uh, coming into camp this year. He's he's listed at five ten, five eleven. Not the biggest guy in the world, but he's draft eligible, and he uh, he's had a really good uh, camp and a preseason uh, so far. So uh, that's the Oil Kings. Now we've got two teams left, Medicine Hat and Calgary. Who's your number two team? Okay, feel free to call it a homer pick. I, I think the Medicine Hat might just have enough to to um, to nose out Edmonton for second place. Uh, at, the, at the top there, um, you know, the hiring of Willie Desjardins uh, at the end of May um, I think has has really kind of uh, you know breathed some new life in, into the community and the organization. So uh, there certainly is some excitement there. Um, I like. I really like the overage situation in Medicine Hat. They had four forwards and a goaltender, Jordan Hall, at, uh, you know, a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Hall retired and is, is pursuing post-secondary education. Uh, but with the four forwards, uh, you know, in the opinion, all four of those guys could, could play in the Western Hockey League this season, yeah. which would give the Tigers uh, some assets to maybe move around. Um, James Hamblin uh, is coming back. He was the team's top scorer. And uh, I looked at him. For example, Brett Camp, who came over from Edmonton, um, you know, last year, it, it makes me sort of think back to the days of sort of a Trevor Cox, Cole Sanford, one-two punch in Medicine Hat. Hmm. You know, guys that could absolutely light it up. And if, if Hamlin and Kemp can have that kind of an impact, uh, the Tigers could give some teams some fits in the attacking zone. Uh, look for a big year from Ryan Chazelle, who uh, fared pretty well at uh, Winnipeg Jets, uh, you know, up here uh, over the past couple of weeks. And, uh, I got to say, I I think the Medicine Hat Tigers have got the best goaltender in the division, and Matt Sogard. Well, he's definitely the biggest, <laughs> no question about that. At six seven and and now two hundred pounds, and uh, boy, he was outstanding in the playoffs uh, for the Tigers last year against the Oil Kings in that first round. Uh, I've joked that uh, that series went five games. It could have been over in three if not for Matt Sogard, because uh, he uh, the Oil Kings couldn't buy a goal on him in a couple of those games. Um, the twenty-year-old uh, situation now for the Tigers after they've uh, let Logan Christensen go, so they still got Prezuzo up front and James Hamblin and Hayden Oster, and uh, and Parker Gavlis now coming in for the Oil Kings. So there's still some work to do there. And again, you and I are having this conversation on uh, on a Tuesday. Uh, things could change a lot by the Friday when this uh, this podcast comes out for the general public. So um, things could really change uh, quickly. But uh, all four of these guys could play in the league. I was I was really surprised, Guy, that um, that there wasn't a deal out there for Logan Christensen. Yeah. Um, well, um, even even a draft pick, but I thought uh, that there might be someone that the Tigers could move from the Roberts group um, uh, to to replace with a player. But uh, it looks at this point, you know, like it's going to be between Oster and Gatlas. Um, it 
you know, I was of the opinion that uh, Tigers needed to find an overage defenseman. Hmm. Um, and again, I thought they had the assets to make that deal. You know, picking up Gatlas, uh, you know, ostensibly that deal was probably made available with Madonna to the Oil Kings. But, uh, you know, bringing Gatlas in here, I think that's going to help. Um, that was maybe out of the gate, uh, Willie Desert, and probably his biggest construction project with the Tigers this year. Uh, it was a defensive core, a pretty young group. Um, with Galvis coming in as a 20, you know, we'll see how he can come in and, uh, you know, if he can play big minutes and take some pressure off the younger guys, that's going to be very beneficial. It looks like the Tigers are going to keep Drew Krebs around as a 16-year-old. Mm-hmm. And think that these 16s have, have got to be, um, uh, you know, given the opportunity to appear in, in, in at least 40 games. Uh, Krebs moves pretty well, you know, young guy, good with the puck, and um, is a guy they're going to be counting on in the future. But he's going to need to to learn from from some of the veterans, and and you know, is Gavlis the guy that that a young player like Drew Krebs can lean on? You know, we're going to find out. Uh, I think it was a good ad for the Tigers. I didn't know that they would necessarily find a twenty uh, this early, but. Um, Gavlis is here now, and he looks like he's going to be an important piece of the puzzle out of the gate. I think it's a great pickup by Medicine Hat and didn't have to give up anything off the roster. So uh, really like that trade for Medicine Hat. Uh, the other young guy, before we move on to the top team, uh, Cole Sillinger. Uh, and again, we talk about tempering expectations for the rookies, but um, there's lots of reason for Tiger fans to be excited for him, not just this year, but uh, in the, over the next couple. Yeah, Cole Sillinger uh, looked good in some preseason games. You know, good size, really moves well. Uh, pretty, pretty good speed. Um, boy, I think um, he he would have needed a one-ton truck to to tote home all the hardware he collected in the Saskatchewan Midget AAA Hockey League <laughs> at the end of last season. Uh, terrific season with the Regina Pack Canadians, but uh, you know the the future again looks very bright. I think with guys like Sillinger, Krebs. Uh, you know, a young fellow by the name of Aiden Brook. Um, he's got some brothers in the Western Hockey League as well. Um, interesting to see Krebs this year. He's going to play against his older brother in Calgary. Uh, and of course, Peyton in, in Winnipeg at some point once uh, once Peyton is healthy. Uh, these guys, they look real good. You know where else the Tigers are good? They're good in goal uh, behind Solgard. Uh, with Garen Bjorklund, they picked up uh, Evan Fordette from the Portland Winterhawks. Uh, again, I think for Fredette, they gave up an eighth round of 2021. So really, they didn't give up much. But yeah. uh, Dorkland and Fredette faced off against each other last year in the Alberta Midget Hockey League final uh, with St. Albert and the Calgary Buffalo. So it was Bjorkman's Calgary team that went on and advanced to the TELUS Cup. I think the future looks bright for Madison Hat and Goal as well. All right, well, that leaves one team, and uh, by process of elimination, you have the Calgary Hitmen uh, being the top team in the Central Division this year. Uh, I'm writing my uh, my write-up for uh, Dub Network right now, the uh, 22 teams, 22 questions, and, and the point I'm making with the Hitmen, uh, they might have the best trio of 20-year-olds in the league, in my opinion. Uh, what makes uh, Calgary the best team in the division, in your opinion, Glenn? I think that's a pretty good place to start. Castellic 47 goals last year. Uh, that's terrific. He's making Ottawa take notice. That's for sure. The Ottawa Senators. Uh, James Mall, uh, you know, he started on really like a house player last year for the Vancouver Giants. Um, surprised that very early in the season they moved him over to Calgary uh, for Tristan Nielsen. And, um, you know, Dakota Krebs, he's going to give you that 
big physical presence on the blue line as a 20. Um, I think they're really solid. I like in Calgary, uh, Kelowna, a Kelowna lad, Jackson Vandal, he's six foot seven. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? He had the experience of attending Calgary Flames camp for a while. So got to see the, uh, got to see the game at that faster pace. But you know, the addition of Jet Wu from, uh, Moose Job, that gives the hit a bona fide top tier defenseman. Uh, you know what? Does he want to be the guy in Calgary? Does he want to lead? Does he want to do the things to make his teammates better? Boy, if so, the Hitmen are are certainly likely to improve on a 36-win season. Yeah, Wu and uh, Igor Zamula on the back end as well, who's no slouch when it comes to the offensive production. Uh, they've they got almost a, a point. Yeah, they uh, really steady on the back end. And again, we've I said it with uh, one of the other clubs we chatted about. My only concern for the Hitmen comes in net, and uh, Jack McNaughton was good last year, but as a rookie, I mean, he, it was unfair probably to expect him to to play as much as he had to, and and Carl Stankowski, I guess, still concerns, you know, can he stay healthy? He's, he's had a couple of injury-plagued seasons, and they were unrelated situations. Um, so I guess I have a concern with uh, with Calgary in, in goal, and maybe they can address that via trade or something, but uh, how do you feel about Calgary's net mining right now? You know what, that's, that's really intriguing. Um, what I find interesting, Calgary seems seems very high on uh, played him a ton Twenty-three, twenty-four straight games. Uh, you know, as, as a seventeen-year-old rookie, he, he really took the reins and uh, was a big part of, of Calgary uh, advancing into the second round of the playoffs. Carl Stankowski, boy, what an interesting situation! An easy guy to put his playoffs this year. He was just terrific with the Seattle Thunderbirds as a as a sixteen-year-old. Um, their deep playoff run, but you know what? The health challenges. Um, you know, I think it's a plus that. Uh, uh, he was able to get moved back to to Calgary. Uh, you know, he's a 19-year-old and has that playoff experience. So you know, maybe these guys can be uh, a, a real solid one-two punch in Calgary. By the same token, um, the brass with uh, the Hitman think that they have a legitimate uh, chance to to push for a Western Hockey League title. Uh, it would not surprise me to see them make a deal for. Uh, I guess the question is, do they do it sooner uh, rather than later? What's mm-hmm. the risk in waiting? You know, do you lose a guy to another team? Um, by the same token, uh, if you wait, you know, maybe there's a gem out there, someone else league-wide who emerges as a goaltender having a real good campaign. I'll put it out there now. Another team like Lethbridge, maybe that uh, could be looking towards Vancouver and, and uh, checking on the availability, availability of David Tendek. Unfortunately, he's a 20, and boy, I wouldn't want to mess with the 20s that uh, – that Calgary has um, some of the other young guys that we didn't mention that that deserve recognition. Luke Prokop on the back end, six four and a half, two hundred and twenty pound, seventeen uh, year old. Uh, he's going to be a handful this year. And and up front, Carson Folk, the Vancouver uh, Canucks uh, draft pick. Riley Stotts, uh, who's uh, drafted by the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Orca Weisblatt looked interesting in, in preseason that I saw. And uh, the the incoming rookie, uh, Sean Chagall. Uh, we'll be looking for him to, to see what he can do as well. But uh, I agree, Calgary is uh, definitely going to be a handful and arguably the team to beat, not just in the division, but arguably could be uh, in the conversation for top team in the conference. They look to me to be, um, you know, the team in the Central that has the most depth. So, again, we look for them to have a good season uh, this year, but, uh, you know, there's some potential for them to be good uh, in the coming seasons as well. Lastly, how many teams out of the Central make the playoffs this year, uh, 
Glenn, do you think it's uh, the normal four, or do you think there could be five, uh, or potentially if things go poorly for the division, only three? I think four for sure. I think that's you know I think that's a safe bet. Um, you know I'm I'm not certain that Swift Current or Red Deer would uh, would would push uh, some of the teams in uh, in the East Division. Um, I would I would suggest probably those four teams. And you know when I look at, at going Medicine Hat two, Edmonton three, Lethbridge four, I think those teams are interchangeable in those in those positions. Uh, the two three playoff matchup this year in the Central Division is going to be dynamite. Yeah, uh, I don't disagree with you there. Well, Glenn, really great rundown and uh, setup for the upcoming season in the Central Division. Should be a fun one. When will will you be traveling? Will we see you up in in Edmonton when the Tigers come through? Yeah, you know what? I've, I've looked over the the schedule. There are a few opportunities. I'm going to try to move around a little bit here, uh, you know, and, and kind of brave the prairie highways a little bit. Really looking forward <laughs> to connecting with folks in the Central Division this year. Excellent. Thanks for your time, Glenn. We'll see you at the rink. All right, you bet, Guy. Great job, as always, by uh, Glenn Erickson. Uh, always like having him on the show. Unfortunately, the uh, cell connection there was a, a little bit wonky at times, but I think you could still make out what he was saying uh, in those low spots. Uh, how do I see the division? Similar, but a little bit different, uh, but uh, more similar than than different. Um, he had two teams not making the playoffs in the Central. So do I. Uh, he had uh, Swift Current and uh, Red Deer as, as those two teams. So do I. But he had Red Deer finishing last. I have Swift Current finishing last. Regardless, both of those teams uh, missing out on the playoffs. We both have Lethbridge as the fourth place team. He has Edmonton third with Medicine Hat second and Calgary as the number one team. I'm going slightly different. Uh, I have uh, Medicine Hat third, Edmonton second, and uh, Calgary as the number one team as well. I do think those three teams, though, going to be very, very tight. As in, within 10 points. Uh, when it's all said and done. I do think Calgary will add a goaltender over the course of the season, and for whatever reason, I go Taylor Goche out of the Prince George Cougars. I, 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 spoiler alert, when we get to the the BC division, um, I don't think Prince George is going to be very good. He's a Calgary guy. I think Jeff Chanoth uh, is going to recognize that uh, he's got a team that can go for it this year, but will upgrade his goaltender. And um, for me, Taylor Goche is a really good fit. Complete speculation on my part. Maybe they don't do anything at all in that, but um, seems logical to me. Uh, I do have uh, the Oil Kings and the uh, Medicine Hat Tigers uh, close behind Calgary, and that could set up a rematch of the opening round from this past uh, spring. And uh, again, that could be a really good series. No matter who it is, uh, as Glenn said, that first round in uh, that 2-3 spot is going to be a heck of a series uh, come playoff time. All right, let's dip south of the border. We'll go to the U.S. division next. And Josh Kreitzer, who writes uh, again for dubnetwork.ca, he's in the Portland area. We'll get his take on what's happening in the U.S. division next here on the Pipeline Show. Left wing, the drop pass. Kendry into the offensive zone. Top into the net in front for Madsen. What a save by Dustin Wolf. He stretched out with the glove. Makes a save and covers. Oh, my! 8.37 to go in the second. Hey, it's Dustin Wolf with the Everett Sober Tips, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. There's 
a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks, a lot, a whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. That man is playing Galaga. Thought we wouldn't notice, but we did. We're back on the Pipeline Show, and uh, now we move from uh, the West or the Eastern Conference to the Western Conference, and we'll dip south of the border. We'll go to the United States Division, and uh, the guest who's going to uh, walk us through and be our guide is Josh Kreitzer, who writes for DubNetwork.ca, and we can stay up to date on everything happening around the Western Hockey League. Sign up for your daily dose of the Dub. And uh, stay up to date uh, for sure. And this time of year, boy, Josh, I think you'd agree, so much happening this week. If we had this conversation yesterday, boy, things have already changed. We just saw a trade between uh, Portland and uh, Prince George. And by the time this comes out publicly for teams, there could be more moves. So we can only go by what's uh, what the rosters look like at the time that we look at our watch and uh, the day that we're talking right now. But uh, welcome to the Pipeline Show, Josh. How are you? Uh, not too bad. I appreciate you having me on. And you're absolutely right. You know, I dropped my uh, Portland Winterhawks season preview, and the next day everything changes. So, and I think last year when I did it was the day Joachim Blitzfeld got uh, sent back from San Jose. So, um, you're only as good as your latest hour, I guess, on this league. But uh, I'm very much appreciative uh, to be on be on here. It's uh, nice and raining here in, in Portland, so it's hockey season. All right. Yes, of course. Uh, all right. Let's get to let's get to business. And uh, the way we're going to look at this is we're going to start at the bottom and work our way. To the top. So of the five teams that make up the U.S. division, who's the slowest team out of the gate this year or maybe finishes at the bottom of the pile in your mind? Oh, my gosh. I think the U.S. division is wide open this year. I think I think we're going to see a clear leader at the top, but I think one through or two through four can can really kind of just depend upon. I think it's going to come down to who can do the best in the, in the three point games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, who can who can steal a point, who can preserve uh, or prevent another team from, from getting that point, who can win a shootout. Um, but for me, I've, I've got Tri-City uh, at, at the bottom. However, I do still see them uh, making, the, making the playoffs, and, and the U.S. will get uh, all five teams into uh, the playoffs uh, yet again in my eyes. All right. Well, spoiler alert. That's my last question that we, that we oh, usually sorry. get to. But that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. We can start with, uh, with Tri-City and, uh, and look at that roster. And uh, there are definitely some interesting pieces on this team. But why do you think they're, uh, when you look at the roster, what are they lacking? You know, for me, it's not so much what they're lacking as what they lost. And for me, they lost a lot in, in their two leaders up front in Nolan Urenko and Parker Acoin. Acoin was a second-team All-Star in the Western Conference last year. Uh, and, you know, I, di- I just feel like they, they've kind of they, they've lost some of that. They don't really have some of the big horses that, that some of the other teams do. However, Kelly Buckberger is a really quality coach. He gets the most out of all of his players. Um, but so I, I think for them, it's kind of more around uh, what they lost. But 
they've got so they've got some really strong guys who I'm I'm really high on this year. Uh, Sasha Mutala, I think, is probably sitting on on the biggest year, and we might see the biggest jump in point production uh, in, in the U.S. division from uh, from him. Um, I see probably 35, 40, maybe even getting up near the 50 goal mark, um, and and that's after uh, getting 20 goals a year ago. So. Uh, I, I know he was at Colorado's camp for a while, and from by all accounts and the people I talked to there, uh, every time they they're like that, that's a special play. What? Who? Who is that? And they looked down, and it was Mutala. So um, he was one of my most underrated players that that I saw last year come through the U.S. division, and uh, I would I would not be surprised to see Mutala on on a massive year this year. For me, I, I also look at Kyle Olson. He's you know he's the name captain for them. Uh, he'll he'll be in kind of one of their overage spots and. Um, you know, he scored 21 uh, goals a year ago, and most of the time he seems to do really well against the U.S. division. All the way the, the schedule breaks out, that's where you play the majority of your games. So if you're going to make hay against any one particular set of teams, it might as well be the division you're playing, right? <laughs> Makes a lot of sense to me. Um, who else up front, Josh, uh, do you think uh, leads the way in terms of uh, an offensive attack for the Americans? Yeah, kind of behind those two, I would probably put Connor Bouchard uh, sitting there uh, as another big year. I had a chance to see him in a couple of preseason games this year when I was up in uh, the Everett tournament, as well as uh, making the trip out east out to uh, Tri City. Um, you know, when when some of the big some of the big guns were gone, and uh, Bouchard really, I, I think, is sitting on a big year, and I think there's going to be tremendous amount of opportunity for him there. Um, so I think that's going to be his, his biggest, you know, biggest opportunity for him and kind of what, what chances he can make. Um, you know, he, he seemed to be able to play, you know, that 200 foot game, but still be responsible in his own end while still chipping in offensively. Um, so I think, you know, Mutala, Olsen and Bouchard are going to kind of be the, the big three for, uh, for Tri-City this year. A couple other guys who have kind of went through the league a little bit, Nikita Krivokrasov, we've seen him with other teams, and uh, Nick Bowman, who uh, along the way was the draft pick of the Edmonton Oil Kings in my backyard. Uh, and uh, I know having spoken with Bob Torrey, he, he figures both of those guys could play prominent roles for the Americans. Yeah, I, without a doubt. And I, I think that's kind of – Bob Torrey is known for just finding the right guys and to play the right system. And, you know, Portland struggled with them last year. And, and you know, with that being the main beat that I cover, it, it was – you know they're gonna they're gonna grind you down. They're gonna they're gonna kind of play a compact game, but they're gonna be hard along the wall. And and the, and those two guys, like you mentioned, are, are gonna be key key aspects for them. And uh, nothing's easy when when you play Tri City. They've got solid goaltending. Their their defense is is strong as well. And and so nothing's ever easy. And they're gonna wear you down. And they're gonna win two to one games. They're gonna win three to two games. And so they may not need to try and outscore everyone because they've got the uh, the ability to kind of uh, lock things down defensively. Well, and their defense is big. And uh, when mm-hmm. as, you, as you and I are speaking right now, there's there's probably still two or three guys to, to trim off the roster. But you know, when when you've got Dom Schmeeman who's six four and Jaden Platts listed with the team six four and and Brian McAndrews is six five, and then you've got Mark Lejoie coming in as a rookie who's six four and two hundred and thirty pounds, uh, that is a lot of beef on the blue line. It is. And, you know, another guy on the blue line, too, that, that I look at is Mitchell Brown, you yes. know, 6'3", 213, right? He had a chance to go to, I believe, the Wilds camp uh, this year and after kind of getting uh, passed over. So you're absolutely right. With, with some of the U.S. division is pretty young up front uh, overall with, with their forwards, uh, kind of overall. And so you're seeing some of these teams have bigger defense and, you know, I think that could make it really hard on some teams as they go up against, uh, up against Vice City. 
um, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but my gosh, is, is Beck Warren going to be um, a real, real strong contender? And, and maybe kind of how Star City ultimately ends up doing could come down to the level of play that, that he brings uh, for the Americans. It's funny when Mitch Brown at 6'3 and 213 pounds is your fifth largest blue liner. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's ridiculous size uh, right now for Tri City. Yeah. Uh, okay. It is. Yeah. Let's go to the goalies. And you mentioned Beck Warm, uh, who's there as an overage uh, player and, and Talon Boyko, uh, backing him up. A pretty solid tandem. Uh, they have every right to feel confident uh, with both of those guys. A hundred percent. hundred percent. And, and Beck Warm to me is, I had a chance to interview him a couple times last year and he's just calm. He's confident. He knows what he needs to do. He played in 61 of 68 games last year. He made 238 more saves than the next closest goaltender. Um, on average, he faces about 32 shots per 60 minutes um, and about half a shot every minute over the course of, of last year. Second team WHL All-Star. Um, and so you know he can handle the workload. He's, he's done it as a 19, and, and he had a chance to go to uh, the Capitals camp this year. And so, um, you know, it, maybe Tri-City doesn't need to lean on him as heavily now with, with Boyko being – um, you know, a, a 17 year old and, but boy, uh, again, uh, I, I saw Blanco a couple times here uh, in the preseason and, you know, he's six foot six and I think that's being generous. I, I think he's probably six, seven, um, maybe six, eight. He's a, he, he's a tall, he's a tall guy. And, uh, I saw him face over 60 shots against Everett and he, um, you know, we, we went down and we were as the dub network guys, we were down kind of chatting with, you know, kind of getting quotes and stuff after the game and, he didn't look exhausted, and I tell you, I was exhausted watching him get up and down 60 <laughs> times, you know, um, just making the saves. So I think I think uh, Tri-City's definitely got, got, got um, you know, their strongest on the back end there. And yet we have them finishing last. Uh, who is the fourth-place team uh, in the U.S. division this year, Josh? Uh, for me, I, this, one was, this one was tough, but uh, I went with the Seattle Thunderbirds uh, for me. Okay, and tell me why. You know, I think they are probably looking a year or two ahead. Um, I think they're going to be really relying on on their young their young group. They could have potentially as many as four 16 year old forwards. I think they're going to be led. You know, how much can they get from, from that group? And I think that group is is going to be led by Connor Roulette and Kai Uchaz. Uchaz was the tenth overall pick in 2018. Mm-hmm. Got into five games last year. Scored a goal at the end of the at the end of the um, regular season. And then Connor Roulette has also really picked up his game in, in the preseason. I really liked what I saw from him. He was their second-round pick in 2018, and he got in, into one game. So, you know, they're going to rely on their youth. Um, so I, I think that, for me, is the biggest aspect. Um, but, they're, you know, they could have an area of strength in, in their overagers. Uh, you know, Matthew Wedman, depending upon what his status is with, with the Florida Panthers, I know he's going to the AHL camp now, but – you know, should he return, I think he's going to not only lead their team in scoring, but he could possibly top, be top 10 in the league. Um, Andre Kukacha scored 25 goals last year. He might be a two, he'll be a two spotter, but he gives them that much needed older scoring depth up front. Um, they, they did, you know, I think for me, the biggest reason why I maybe have them there is the trade that they made with Kelowna at the draft with, with Hamilton, Lee and Schwabius, uh, going over to the Rockets. Yeah. And so, you know, that Hamlet only played half a year, unfortunately suffered a, a pretty bad knee injury um, against Portland uh, about halfway through the year. But, you know, it was, it was, it was nice to see that he was, um, that he was still rewarded with, with a high draft selection. But, um, you know, I, I think that's going to be kind of a, an interesting situation. They've got one more decision to make up front. Uh, they've got Connor Bergen Kate who came over in that trade, um, but he's going to battle against Jackson Kaluski, uh, who got hurt during the preseason. So it kind of complicates their decision on the overage front. But, 
you know, I think that's going to be real interesting for what Seattle does uh, up front. It's going to be kind of a, a 16 show and then maybe up to the 20s. You mentioned that trade with uh, the Kelowna Rockets, and to me that kind of signaled the direction for Seattle this year. You don't make that trade if you're going for it. Uh, I think uh, that, you know, with Jake Lee and Dalton Hamillock, those are guys you would want if you were t- trying to take a run. Uh, this year, so it, it it seems to be somewhat of a development, uh, rebuilding, maybe retooling kind of year uh, for Seattle. So I I get why you would have them where they are now. Roddy Ross in net, um, they don't really take a step back in net though, right? I mean, this guy was fantastic. Nope. He was fantastic. He got rewarded uh, by being by being drafted uh, by the Philadelphia Flyers in the sixth round. Um, you know, he, he got in 25 games at 2.76 goals against average 919 save percentage. Um, kind of stole some games for them uh, last year. So um, it, it'll kind of be the theme of, of the of the U.S. division. Don't want to spoil it too much, but every starting goaltender in in the U.S. division has some sort of ties to an NHL team, whether being drafted or going to an, to an NHL camp. So um, goaltending is definitely going to be the strength of the U.S. division, and Seattle is is right there with them. Um, on the blue line, uh, uh, Kubicek uh, is going to kind of ma- maybe lead the way. Tishka uh, left early yeah. uh, to, to, to go to school. And uh, Peyton Mount, for me, is another guy to keep an eye on up front. Had a real strong preseason. Um, you know, maybe not quite what we saw to stay coming, but uh, Peyton Mount looked real good. Um, this year he's taken a big step. I know Matt Odette, uh, their head coach there, is, is pretty excited about what, what he's seen from, from him. Um, and so, you know, what, what can he take after being a rookie last year? Well, we know the preseason you got to take with a huge grain of salt, maybe a salt lick. Uh, the T-Birds go 5-0-1 in the preseason, but we do expect them to come back down to earth here uh, once the once once things get going for real. All right, we had Tri-City 5, Seattle 4. Who's your number three team? Uh, Portland, my the, the hometown team that I'm covering here. So, uh, you know, for me, I think they're very similar to Seattle and how they're built. However, they're a year ahead. They're going to rely on 17-year-olds instead of 16-year-olds. They've got three... Uh, uh, 17-year-olds who are going to play top six minutes, Seth Jarvis, Cross Hannis, uh, si- Simon Kanak, uh, I believe that's how you're going to pronounce his name there. Um, all three of those are going to be expected to go in the first two or three rounds in the upcoming draft. They've got two other strong 17-year-old forwards in Tyson Kozak and Robbie Fromm Delorme up front. Uh, there's a huge loss with, with Josh Patterson uh, not re- not returning. He's starting his, his uh, he started his schooling with the University of Alberta. So that kind of hurts the Ryan Hughes trade a little bit. Um, but they've, they've got some, you know, they're going to rely on 17s. They've got one 19 year old forward and then on uh, Mason Manick. And then they've got two, uh, overagers in Jake Gracious, who just returned from San Jose's camp, uh, and Lane Gillis. So otherwise, you know, Portland has three players over the age of 18 up front. So, uh, they're going to be real young uh, up front and, you know, that, you know, in a league that's sometimes dominated by the 19 and twenties, uh, Portland's got 17s. Now, do we expect they're going to struggle to score because of that? Uh, I don't think so. I think you're going to kind of see it, it, it kind of go in waves. Jarvis and Hannes are, are real dynamic players. Um, Jarvis represented uh, Team Canada uh, at the Linka Gretzky Cup, uh, had a real good tournament up there. Cross Hannes, same, same thing. Uh, Simon Kanak, all three of those guys were actually at, at the Linka. And, and so uh, I don't think scoring is going to be a problem for them up front. Uh, unlike we've seen of some Portland teams in the past, I, I think the, it's getting the scoring from, from the blue line. Uh, gone are the days of Yokoharu, Chalosky, the Jones brothers, Pouliot, um, just to name a few. So, um, kind of where, the, where is the scoring going to come, come from the back end? Yeah. And can the 17 year olds do it on a consistent basis? Yeah, that's a great point. No Josh Morrow. And you mentioned uh, Derek Pouliot, uh, those types of players. I don't see one on this roster either. Now, I don't know Jonas Bromberg at all, but 
but at 6'4", 188 pounds, and, and he comes in, he's not 17 or 16 or 17 either, so he's got a little bit more experience under his belt, although he's a rookie over here. Yeah, and getting a chance to kind of talk with him in the preseason, up until he came over to Portland about a month ago, he had never played on NHL size ice. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I think that's going to be, be something, something to watch. But one of the things I noticed in, in all the preseason games he played, he's super calm. And there are times where he, he kind of did, he reminded me now, don't, this isn't blasphemy here, but he reminded me of Yoko Haru in the fact of how before he took off with the puck, he looked over both shoulders and then, st- then skated up. He's not afraid to jump into the rush. I don't think he's got the finishing ability that Yoko Haru had as a rookie, but he definitely has that same level of confidence and there's no panic in his game, despite the fact that his time and space has been significantly reduced, but that six foot four frame and that long stick that he has, he definitely knows how to play, play the, the defensive style of the game. He's really going to help uh, John Ludwig, who is going to be a rock for, for Portland on the blue line. He was uh, drafted by the Panthers in the third round. So those two are probably going to be the big horses uh, on the back. Clay Hannes is expected to take, uh, and maybe kind of lead that first power play unit. Uh, and, you know, he, he's entering his third uh, full year with the Winterhawks. So um, it's going to be kind of scoring by committee from the back end there. Joel Hofer is the starter in net for the uh, the Winterhawks. Uh, and they just went out and picked up Isaiah Delora, as we alluded to. And, and uh, d- is that a, uh, a reflection on Dante Giannuzzi? I thought, that by the sounds of it, was, uh, was doing all right in camp. But did, did things change? You know, I'm, I'm not sure. I haven't had a chance to, to talk with uh, Mike Johnson yet. I, I'm getting up to practice on Wednesday, and so hopefully we'll we'll have more information there. And uh, so, so you just never know. You don't you don't know if, if something happened in camp. And I'm not one to get into the into the speculation, but uh, by all accounts, Giannuzzi w- w- was was playing well. So uh, you know, maybe there, there's something else in play here. So uh, without knowing kind of more and having a chance to, to kind of talk with, with the front office in, in Portland, I, I'm probably not going to speculate too much on that. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, you mentioned the strength of goaltending position throughout the division, and, and same with Portland, right? Joel Ofer should be in line for a, a pretty strong year. He, he should be, absolutely. And I think for him, one of the things that was the biggest changes coming over from Swift Current was Swift Current was getting, you know, badly outshot, and he was facing, you know, 40 shots a night. Well, last year's Portland team, and, and the, you know, wasn't giving up a ton of shots. So they would go five, six minutes without giving up a shot. And that's a big change for a goaltender. And uh, he had he had some, you know, a solid defense in front of him. And so, you know, kind of the types of shots he was facing was a little bit different. Um, but, you know, St. Louis has been here a, a lot, and they rewarded him with, with signing a contract uh, right before the playoffs started. So I, I think Portland is, is going to really rely on Hofer. And now with a little bit of a younger team, you know, losing guys like Cody Glass and Joachim Blickfeld and Jared Frederick, um, Brennan DeYoung, there's going to, with these younger guys, like I talked up front, Portland's probably going to give up a few more shots. And that might play right into the hands of Joel Hofer because he stole a lot of games for, for a Swift Current team that really struggled uh, in the first part of uh, last year. Josh Kreitzer is my guest. He writes for dubnetwork.ca, and uh, you can stay up to date on everything happening around the league. Uh, with that website, uh, we got two teams left, Everett and Spokane. Who is your number two team? Number two team for me is the uh, Everett Silvertips. I see them maybe and Portland going down to maybe the final weekend uh, to kind of figure out who gets uh, two and who gets three, similar to what we saw with Portland and Spokane uh, this past season. All right. Well, and uh, again, I guess we, we can start in net with Everett because we know goaltending <laughs> is not going to be a problem there. Never is. It, it never is. It just seems like, you know, they have Carter Hart and it's like, all right, here comes the drop off. And then Dustin Wolf comes in and, uh, he played 61 games, had a crazy stat line of a 1.69 goals against average and 936 save percentage. Oh, and oh, by the way, he had seven shutouts. Yeah. As a 17 year old, uh, Carter 
18-year-old year, he had a 199 goals against average and a 927. So Wolf had put up better numbers as a 17 than Wolf, than Hart did as an 18. So, um, you know, Wolf is, is going to keep them in every single game. He's a strong candidate for Team USA to make the World Juniors, possibly as their third goalie. Um, they did get a backup in uh, USHL goalie Keegan Carkey, who gave up NCAA eligibility to come there. Uh, that's kind of what I'm calling the Wolf insurance, uh, just in case for however long he, he's gone. Um, he's a six foot five goaltender. So again, you know, I, the part that just baffles me, and it, I don't think it, it doesn't play into this season, but how, how Wolf went so far late in, in the draft. But um, I think Everett fans are maybe still a little bit better about that. But um, Wolf is, is going to keep him in, in every game. He's super calm in net, doesn't give up a ton of rebounds, and the ones he does are off to the side um, or easily cleared by uh, that real stellar, um, you know, blue line that uh, Everett's known known to have. Do we expect Wyatt Wiley and uh, Gianni Fairbrother back? Uh, I know Fairbrother was banged up, but he might already be back. I don't. I haven't heard. Yeah, I, I'm not 100 percent sure on that, but I think that what it's, their overage situation is, is a little bit crowded. They 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 lost a lot up front, and the biggest question mark for Everett is is kind of who's going to play um, down the middle. Yeah. And you know, I think Max Patterson, who came over from from Swift Current, is you know maybe wasn't going to have a, have an opportunity. Um, you know, with, with Dewar and, and Sutter moving on to play pro, but. Uh, Kindop is back. He's locked in. He's going to be their captain. 39 goals uh, last last season. He's probably going to at least you know put that up again. Uh, so really comes down to what do they do with Wyatt Wiley and Jake Christensen, um, you know, and, and Max Patterson. So they're going to have to pick between two of those three. And you know, I think any one of those three is is probably not going to be out of a out of a playing time for a while. But Everett is banged up. Uh, Jackson Berzowski and uh, Martin Fasco-Rudis will not play in the opening weekend. So. Um, you know, we're, we're really going to have to see. And uh, Reese Vitelli is, is someone down the middle, uh, you know, who, who last year put up uh, 27 points as a 17-year-old, and they're really going to rely on him down the middle. And, you know, that's, you know, where are the goals going to come from from Everett? Uh, for me, they're coming from uh, their new import, Michael Goot. Uh, he's shown tremendous scoring touch. He scored from all angles. Um, he really looks the part. But uh, like any of those new imports, it's going to take them some time, and let's see how they look uh, kind of around the holiday break. Yeah, when I talked to uh, GM Gary Davidson, well, that's about a month ago now, so maybe things have changed, but it sounded, uh, reading between the lines, it sounded like he was going to be looking for, for forward help uh, for Everett up front to uh, to help with some of that offense. Uh, that means we have one team left, and uh, you've uh, uh, put the Spokane Chiefs at the top of the heap, and I guess the question to lead off is, does it matter whether Ty Smith is back or not? If he is, if he isn't, are they uh, still the number one team in your mind? For me, they're the, they're the number one team with or without Ty Smith. Um, I'm not saying that they can't use Ty Smith because, in my opinion, Ty Smith is is the uh, best defenseman in the league should he return, and that includes Bowen Byram. Um, and I'll stand by that. Um, I think the, what Ty Smith brings is uh, is insurmountable. I've seen two playoff series w- with him now uh, up front and just really see what he's able to do. But you know, they got a big answer, uh, was it yesterday or two days ago with, uh, Philip Crawl coming back from Toronto? They kind of had those three guys and Ty Smith, Jake McGrew, and Crawl. And how many of those three are they going to get back? So, um, I, in my eyes, I don't see Smith coming back. I, I felt like last year he was right at, he was one of the last cuts, uh, from New Jersey. And, you know, with all the moves that they made, they're going to be looking for some guys who are, you know, cheaper on, on the cap. And Smith brings that being on an ELC. Um, and then also with, with Jake McGrew, uh, he's maybe in the same situation that we saw with Portland last year with, with Joachim Blitzfeld being a San Jose guy, if, and they don't have an ECHL affiliate, so if there isn't room on the Barracuda, uh, he's back in Spokane, and that really then elevates 
them up. But the key for, Sp- for Spokane or any team who's going to play Spokane is how do you s- shut down that power play? 29% in the regular season last year, 36% in the playoffs, 30% in the preseason. That, that power play just clicks and they are, they're a challenge and they've got a lot of big guys up front, a lot of guys who can score. A lot of those guys coming back, they've got a couple of guys who are, who are going to probably be called early in the draft as well. Um, the question that the biggest question they had was goaltending. They've got it now. So uh, I, I just, and then you add in the new coach in Manny Bebros. He's won a WHL championship with the Broncos in 2018. Mm-hmm. He's an assistant coach with the Oilers. And what kind of impact can he make? I just, I just feel like there's every checkbox that you have for um, kind of what you look at for, for a team, uh, Spokane can check all the boxes right now. And you mentioned the goaltending, and that's been shored up because of their uh, their import pick. Uh, and I don't know, is it Lucas Parikh? Is that how we're pronouncing? Uh, Parikh. Uh, Parikh. Parikh. All right. Now, have you seen him? Is yeah, uh, he he does. He he's a feisty guy. He he, he gets he's not afraid to kind of mix it up with, with guys in front of him. So, uh, but yeah, I had a chance to see him in, in the preseason up in Everett, and he he looks real calm. He's got some extra movements here and there, maybe compared to some of the other guys. But he's a real athletic goalie, and I think he's gonna he's gonna be a big upgrade for them uh, in net. And you know, it kind of kind of helps maybe solve some of their overage situation. You know, a lot of it kind of depends on what they end up doing, but you know, they've got, you know, a 99 in, in Reese Clausen, but do you want to have your backup playing, you know, being an overage and right. do you also have a third rounder who's not playing? So, you know, their, their goaltending has a little bit of question marks, but Parikh for me is going to be, uh, he's going to step right in and, and kind of help answer, answer that question. Do you see any sort of hole or weakness in the chiefs at this point? Uh, you know, I, I worry about sometimes, you know, kind of take, taking a fun shot. I, I worry, you know, do some teams have scoreboards that go up to double digits? Uh, you know, I, I think they're going to score a lot. I think they're going to score a lot of goals. Um, but no, I, maybe, maybe on the blue line, you know, once you kind of get behind Ty Smith, they'll probably maybe, maybe Russell, but there might be a little bit left to be desired there. But, um, you know, I, I think with the two way forwards that they have, the scoring touch that they have, and, you know, the defenseman that I mentioned, I, I feel like they're just a really sound team from, from top to bottom. Uh, I was really high on them last year. Uh, you know, they finished, you know, they ended up finishing second, you know, a decent way behind Everett. But they kind of kind of proved the point when they made it all the way to the Western Conference Finals, uh, you know, kind of getting through the whole U.S. division there uh, on that side of the bracket. But I, I don't I don't see it. Toporowski, it's going to be the Adam Beckman show. Jack Finley, 6'5", 205 is a 17. Zumak had 53 assists last year. They're all back, and uh, that's without uh, that's without McGrew and without Ty Smith. So much to like in Spokane this year for sure. All right, to recap, Spokane one, Everett two, Portland three. Uh, you had Seattle four and the Tri City Americans five. But spoiler alert, you had all five making the playoffs this year. Now, is that more of a reflection on a weak BC division in your mind, or just that these, even though these guys are the the five US teams are going to be beating up on each other all year? because they play such an unbalanced schedule, they're all still going to make it in? I still think they all make it in, and unfortunately some of it has to do with how close the teams are, that there's going to be three-point games all over the place. Mm. Um, but, you know, for me, how, how I have my predictions is that Prince George is, is, is on the outs, as is Victoria, and I think whoever's fifth in the U.S. division is going to be battling against Victoria. Um, but j- just based upon the goaltending and that's, that's in the U.S. division, I feel like that's going to probably give them a, a leg up on, on those two teams in the BC. Um, you know, I, I think that the top of the BC is, is probably better, 
than or will be better, depending upon what, what Kelowna ends up doing. But um, I think the top of the BC is better overall than, than the U.S., but I think the bottom of the U.S. is better than uh, kind of what the BC has to offer as, as we record. Sounds like it's going to be a fun year. Josh, I really appreciate your time. I look forward to having you on again. Awesome. Well, thanks. We uh, really appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you guys around the rink. All right, so there you have Josh with his predictions of uh, in reverse order. Tri-City dead last with Seattle, uh, Portland, Everett, and uh, Spokane as the top team. I see it very similar. I'm going to flip Seattle and Tri-City. I'm going to go with uh, Seattle on the bottom, Tri-City uh, coming in fourth, uh, followed by Portland, Everett, and Spokane as the number one team. And for me, it doesn't matter if Ty Smith comes back or not. I still have uh, Spokane as the top team. I do have the same as Josh, though. I have all five teams in the U.S. making the uh, the playoffs. So if you're a fan of the Americans or the T-Birds and you're uh, listening to Josh and I say your team uh, might finish dead last, um, that's okay because you're going to still get into the playoffs, at least according to Josh and I. Last segment to get to on the show this week is going to focus on the BC Division. And uh, my guest for that, Stephen Hocko, who uh, covers the BC Division for and the Vancouver Giants uh, for Dub Network. That closes out the show next. We need this win, you know. We got a lot of losses. To yeah, we got a lot of losses. Come on, let's start making it up. We're going to win. That's what we're here for, guys, to win. Hey, this is Dave Hansen of the Hansen Brothers from the movie Slapshot. I'm ready to put on a foil but not drink any of that stinking red bear as I sit down and listen to the Pipeline Show with my good buddy, E. Just a little bit south of Saskatoon. Pick my guitar. You're listening to the Pipeline Show. You have my curiosity. With Gee Flaming. Now you have my attention. This is the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, and we have one more division to get to in our WHL preview. All of these brought to you by dubnetwork.ca. Stay up to date on everything happening around the Western Hockey League. Make uh, Dub Network one of your first stops each day. Subscribe to the Daily Dose of the Dub, and uh, it'll come right to your inbox. Really convenient that way. And uh, my next guest to uh, help go through the BC Division, uh, he is one of the writers at, uh, covering the Vancouver Giants. Uh, that's uh, Stephen Hocko. Uh, Stephen, welcome to the program. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. A pleasure to get a chance to speak with you, and uh, I think the BC Division is going to be a fun one to watch this year. Uh, maybe let's start with the team that you think is going to struggle the most. Uh, when you look at the five teams in the BC division, you got Kamloops, Vancouver, Kelowna, Victoria, and Prince George. Is one of them clearly the weak link in the group? I think coming into this season, I think that's going to be the Prince George Cougars. Um, they have a young, they're, sp- they're sporting a young lineup this season coming up. I think they have four or five 16 year olds on their current roster. That's mm-hmm. to be, that's remains to be seen if they're going to keep all those, but I think they, they, they're also going to be out without, one of their top players, um, Elijah Kalina, he got hurt during preseason. I think he's supposed to be out for another month or so. So that's a big hit for a, a team that's already going to be struggling for offense. Well, all right, let's start in net with uh, the Cougars. And they just traded Isaiah Delora earlier this week to the uh, Portland Winterhawks. Taylor Goche, clearly their, their number one guy. But Tyler Brennan is the guy that they took in the first round in 2018. So they're breaking him in right now as well. Could this, in fact, turn out to be a, a tandem uh, between the two? Or do you think Goche... It gets the bulk of the starts. I think Goche will probably get the bulk of the starts, but I I also think that for a 16-year-old goalie, he's going to get a lot more games than a normal 16-year-old goalie would because they're they're going to have a, a developing season. They're going to they're going to be able to 
to afford to give the young guys opportunities for them to make mistakes. So I think Goche will still get the brunt of the load, but I think you'll see you'll see Brennan get a, a good amount of games as well. I expect a pretty motivated Taylor Goche this year too, since he didn't get drafted uh, last exactly. June. So that's a good problem, or not a not a problem, but that's a uh, an extra bonus, I guess. Uh, silver lining in that cloud for the for the Cougars. Uh, they're back. Yeah, they got a bright future. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, the back end in Prince George, kind of a, a nondescript group. I mean, there's some size there, but not exactly household names. Uh, Cole Moberg uh, was drafted, seventh round pick uh, by the Chicago Blackhawks. But outside of that, it's not a lot of names that people outside of WHL circles would recognize. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, not a whole lot of household names, but they, they're, they're a big, they're a big defensive core. They play a heavy game. Um, they kind of, they try to make Goche's job a little easier for him because he he faces a lot of shots every night as it is. So that's they have a they have a lot of um, homegrown players, but mm-hmm. nothing league renowned, I guess you can say. Yeah, I, I guess I would give him a little bit of credit in the sense that there's a lot of 18 and 19 year olds, so it's not a it's not necessarily a young blue line, but uh, not one that's going to blow anybody away either. Uh, up front, who leads the attack here for for the Cougars uh, that they're really going to lean on to get some offense from? Um, like I previously mentioned, Elijah Kalina, but he's going to be out for the first bit of the season. He's, he has a pretty good story behind him after being able to make a comeback from, from dealing with his mental health first, taking some time away from hockey, but also Jackson Leopard. He's, he's been in the league for three or four years now, I believe. And he's, he always seems to be one of their top contributors on the team. So that's another guy to look out for as well. Um, I'm, I'm also a fan of Tyson Upper. I, 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 Adam, up there for like top rookies of the year last year, so he's another guy that I would I would keep an eye out for. All right, I know the name because he was at Oil King camp for a couple of years in a row uh, as a 15, 16 year old, and and stood out there. So I was uh, uh, interested to see how he would do with the the Cougars last year, and uh, we'll see what he does this season. I was impressed in the last in the few times I did see him, I was impressed with him. So yeah, we'll I'll watch for him this year. Um, all right, let's move on to the next place club. And who do you see finishing just ahead of uh, Prince George? Um, that'll be the Victoria Royals for me this season. Yeah. Um, it's kind of it's kind of weird not seeing them at the top of the top of the uh, predictions for the BC divisions. Usually, the last decade or so, it's usually been them in Kelowna that's kind of been fighting for that top spot. But I think this year they're still going to have. I think. I think they might be able to squeak into the second wild card spot, maybe. But for, as as the BC division goes, I see them coming fourth out of fifth. Um, they got a new twenty year old goaltender in Shane Farkas. After after having Griffin Outhouse for four years, it'll be a different change. Definitely when Victoria comes to down to not see Outhouse and the chance he gets. But <laughs> but um, yeah, I expect Farkas to to take the the brunt of the workload, and he showed pretty well in Portland last year. So. I expect him to have a good season. I really, I agree with you. I think Griffin Outhouse last year may have actually uh, smoothed over some of the, uh, you know, the holes in in Victoria's lineup. They might have won some games that they probably shouldn't have won, just because of Griffin Outhouse. And with him gone, maybe that changes things. Uh, let's look at the the defensive core uh, for the Royals, and they brought in some new guys. Will Warm, who was here in Edmonton, I think Nolan Bentham is expected to make that team, isn't he? Uh, yes, I, I believe so. Um, with Will Warm, he was just at Canucks camp. Um, I'm sure you, you're very familiar with him. He was in Edmonton for a few years, but mm-hmm. I saw him, I saw him play one preseason game this year in, in Langley and he impressed. He was, he wasn't afraid to, to be in the battle and wasn't afraid to mix it up either. And they just brought in Jacob Harris from uh, the uh, Red Deer Rebels. So they're, they're filling in holes, uh, with, uh, with uh, players from, 
uh, other teams that they can get their hands on. But they, they have some higher-end draft picks as well. Uh, Mitch Prouse was a second-round pick, and uh, Nolan Jones was a second-round pick, albeit for the Lethbridge Hurricanes. But uh, to me, it's it's still sort of a, a wait-and-see, almost like a project here with uh, the defensive core for, for the Royals. It almost have to take a wait-and-see approach for, for me. What about for you? Yeah, exactly. They're, they they've lost a big a big player in in Scott Walford over the summer. They uh they traded him to Saskatoon. He's been there. He's kind of been the backbone of their defensive core for the last three or so years. So it'll be a big adjustment for the team to to kind of continue without him and give a good chance for these younger guys to get some more ice and some more opportunity. Now the guy that got back from Saskatoon should be one of their uh, offensive leaders this year in Gary Hayden and Kate Oliver. I think is their highest returning scorer from last year's squad, but. Do they have enough firepower to uh, claim a playoff spot in your mind? Um, I, I think if if all the stars align for them and Gary Hayden continues his thirty goals that he that he was able to score last year, I think that top that top pairing of between him and Oliver, I I, I think they would be able to squeak into a to a, maybe a first or second seed wild uh, wild card spot. But mm. uh, I think as for the division wise, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a a lot of tough four-point games for them. Steven, uh, for me, when I look at the BC division, I, I see there a pretty clear gap, like a significant gap between the top three teams and the two teams that we were just talking about. Do you see it a similar way? Whether it's whoever you have in that number three spot, I, I could see like a 15-point spread between that club and the fourth-place team. Do you, do you Would you see it similar? Uh, yeah, exactly. I would say it's yeah. I'd say it's between Vancouver, Kamloops, Kelowna, and then it's the rest of the division. Basically, it's going to be it's, going, it's making up for an exciting division race for sure this year. It's going to be probably going to be one between them and the Central Division. It's going to be the division to watch. Yeah, I think so too. All right, well, let's go to that third place team, and we got to do predictions because it's the preseason, and uh, that's <laughs> that's the thing to do. So, who do you have finishing third right now? As of now, I have the Kamloops Blazers finishing third. Um, They've had a very strong preseason, um, though you can't put a whole lot of stock into that. But it's it's been nothing but impressive so far between Logan Stankoven, Zane Franklin, Oren Santazo. The, those three have absolutely lit up the league so far in the preseason. So it's it kind of makes for a promising start to the to the Blazers' regular season. All right, but how much can we take from the preseason? Yeah, absolutely. Those guys were on fire, and and I think the buzz with Logan Stankoven in particular is is pretty significant, but. Should we be expecting that to, just to carry over to the regular season when when things uh, get real? I mean, everybody, a lot of teams are still missing, you know, a third of their roster because of NHL camps. Yeah, obviously, it's it's hard for any player to keep up an over two point per game clip, but especially for a 16 year old, I think he's still going to be a difference maker out there. Mm-hmm. He's um, even last year in the handful of games he got in, the the point totals weren't really there, but you always noticed him on the ice, and they had enough confidence to play him in that tie break game last year, so. I think he's going to be a very fun player to watch, in the, especially in the BC division. We're going to be lucky enough to watch him a handful of times a season. Now, not necessarily a, a very big group up front. There's a lot of 5'10", 5'11", players uh, with the with the uh, Kamloops Blazers. When it comes to the forward units, there's a couple of guys with some size, but you think uh, the, the smaller average size of the Blazers uh, works against them or when it's junior hockey, talent wins out? Yeah, and the, the style of game it is now in the WHL, I don't think that the size is a is a make or break thing for a team. Obviously, it helps to have skilled guys with size, but these smaller guys they just they find their way in through the holes around the ice, and they got they got a guy like Montana on Yabuchi back there that kind of 
kind of keeps the other team in line if needed. So they're not taking advantage of their smaller, younger guys. So I don't think it should be too much of a problem for the Blazers. They, they have an exciting team with Connor Zari as well. He's projected to go pretty high this year. So it's going to be an exciting year for the Blazers, I think. Yeah, Connor Zari, and, and uh, then you got Dylan Garand, or Garand in, the, in net as well, uh, who should be one of the top uh, uh, goaltenders taken out of the WHL this year. Well, what do you make of the uh, the goaltending tandem uh, with Race Ramsey and and Garand? Uh, I'm a big fan of Garand. He's, he played a – well, when Ferguson was hurt last year, he played a lot of big minutes as a 16-year-old and didn't look out of place at all. So yeah. I think as of now – even though he's a year younger, I think he'll be he'll be taking more of the workload over Race Ramsey. So, um, I'm I'm a fan of um Garand as their their starter goal, starting goalie this season. Last year we saw a new head coach with uh, the Blazers in uh, Serge Lajoie. Another new head coach this year with uh, Sean Clouston. Now, difference between the two, and I like Serge Lajoie a lot as a, as a person and as a coach, but didn't have the NHL or the uh, excuse me didn't have the WHL background. Uh, certainly, Sean Clouston coming right over from the Medicine Hat Tigers, that's not going to be a, a problem. Do you think they get out of the gate a little bit quicker this year with the team and the and the coach being on the same page? Uh, I believe so. They definitely have all the potential to, to come out hot um, if if their team can keep up kind of the, the pace and the and the scoring that they, they had in the preseason. It's, it's definitely definitely a possibility for them to come out hot. Yeah, they got to be feeling confident at least. If there's anything you can take out of preseason, it's uh, they got to be feeling pretty good. About the chances uh, going in. All right, let's yeah, go. That says something. Let's go from the third place Camelot Blazers. Who do you have finishing second? I have the Memorial Cup host uh, Kelowna Rockets coming in second. Um, they're the obviously the roster they have now is probably going to look different come January 10th, as the majority, if not all, of the Memorial Cup hosts make make a couple big moves during the during the regular season. So, yeah. but as of now, the team that they have, I I can still see them finishing. The second behind, um, obviously behind Vancouver and in, in the BC division. Yeah, I look at their uh, roster right now, and the, as far as I know, they still have three goaltenders. And boy, things can change yep. pretty quickly here, uh, as we've seen uh, several moves over the last few days. But uh, right now, with James Porter, Cole Schwebius, and Roman Bazer in, in net, they've got three WHL caliber goaltenders, so they could make a move uh, fairly early in the season to clean that up. But uh, do you see a clear starter uh, in net for uh, Kelowna right now? Um, I'm not sure if I see a clear one, but it's definitely, I think it's going to be between Schwebus and, uh, Bazran. Okay. Um, Bazran can, he kind of had a, a bit of a tough game in that tie break last year, but I think that that doesn't really say about what his season was all about last year. He, he was a, he was a pretty integral part of Kelowna having the season that they had. And for Schwebus, he, he came over from Seattle, which was a kind of a surprising trade at the time, bringing over three, three big names like that. And also Lee and Hamilick. So, I think it's going to be between those, and I, I think they can still get a, a, a decent a decent return for Porter. Yeah, I agree. And they've already revamped the, the defense from what we've seen uh, from the Rockets on the ice uh, during that tie-break loss. Uh, last year, uh, they brought in Sean Comrie, who who's uh, with Denver College last year, Carson Sass, who was with Red Deer, and, and Jake Lee in that big trade, as you mentioned, with, uh, with Seattle. So kind of what we were talking about with Victoria – almost have to wait a little bit and see how they kind of come together as a group. Yeah, exactly. They haven't really had Sean Comrie yet. He's been at Philadelphia Flyers camp. So it's, it remains to be seen how he kind of fits into this lineup, but obviously he's going to be a top pairing guy for them. Uh, Jake Lee, I watched him a bit last year with uh, during the first round of the playoffs against Vancouver when he was with the Thunderbirds. He's he's a top four guy for sure. He was 
kind of slated to get drafted last year. He's kind of a fringe guy, but ultimately he went on undrafted. But he's going to be a big player for them coming from the Memorial Cup this season. And you had uh, Caden Korzak as a returning guy from last year's team, drafted in the second mm-hmm. round by Vegas. And uh, uh, it seems like the uh, at least the ingredients are there for a pretty strong defensive core. And as you mentioned, uh, we could always see Bruce Hamilton adding to that mix. What do you make of the uh, the Rockets' attack up front? Because there are definitely some notable players. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, the name that sticks out is Nolan Foote, recently signed and drafted by Tampa Bay. Um, also, Kyle Topping, he's he's always been a, a a pretty good scorer in the WHL. He has he's he's gone to a few NHL camps. He's he's kind of toiled along the WHL seasons for a while. So he's another guy that to look for. Um, Tyler Wong, or Trevor Wong, sorry. He's he's an incoming 16 year old, but he's fairly highly touted. It'll be it'll be interesting to see what kind of role he's given. Maybe kind of a similar role as what Justin Sordiff was given last year as a 16-year-old where they trust him more and more as the season goes on with his play. So it'll be a, I think it'll be a pretty exciting season for the Rockets. Obviously, there's, there's probably a couple, there's probably still a couple moves to be made up front, but that remains to be seen. I'm glad to hear you say Tyler Wong because I've said it a few times too. It is Trevor <laughs> Wong as you, you corrected yeah. yourself there, but man, I, I've done it three or four times already. Uh, as well. So, uh, but yeah, I like the, I like the, the makings of the attack here for, uh, the Cologne Rockets and, and I fully expect Bruce Hamilton is, is out there beating the bushes and he's going to find, uh, another player or two, uh, to add to that offensive lineup. Uh, process of elimination, the Vancouver Giants, number one on your list. Tell me why. Uh, well, they're, they're, they're still a, a pretty deep team from last year. They're not, they've lost a full, a few guys, but they still have the majority of that main core that made the run to the WHL final last season. Yep. Obviously the, obviously the biggest question coming into the season is, is Bowen Byram going to be back or is, is it a matter of when he's going to be back? Uh, they also still have five overagers on the roster. So it's, it's going to be, there's still, there's still lots of, Lots of moves to be made by the Giants coming into the regular season. They still have October 10th to to trim those two overagers down. But from what I've seen, I think it's still a deep team. There's there's still going to be um, a contender going into the, the the into the regular season this year. Goaltending situation is interesting because uh, David Tendek and Trent Miner, returning guys from last year, and two of the best goalies in the league, let alone just in the division but probably going to be moving on from one of them, and I would expect probably that's David Tendek to get to move out an overage and clear up a goalie spot. Uh, I don't know if you see it the same way, but it's kind of a good problem to have if you're Vancouver, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's a great problem to have. I, I agree with you there. I think I think it's going to be Tendek probably. They're not really in a situation where they need to take up a 20-year-old spot on a goalie. They have a they have a more than capable trend minor coming in. He just, he's just coming off a sometime at Colorado Avalanche training camp after being drafted there. So they have a more than capable 18-year-old goalie that's, that they don't really need to have a 20-year-old. So, yeah, I think Tendik, as great of a goalie as he is for the, has been for the Giants, I think he's going he's gonna to be sporting another crest this season, I think. Now, when it comes to Byram, and you mentioned that's the big question mark right now, and there's a couple other teams in the league that have similar situations, Spokane with Ty Smith and, and Kirby Dock with the Saskatoon Blades. In your mind... Is it a, a more of a matter of uh, a question of when he comes back as opposed to if he comes back? For me, uh, I think it's a matter of when. Um, the Avalanche aren't really hurting for any young defensemen right now. They kind of got a, a stockpile of them, so it's definitely a matter of when for me. I think he's going to get he's definitely going to get some regular season game looks. I think, but I think you'll see him back with the Giants by whatever that time frame is, end of November, early no, 
or end of October, early November. But even if they do get them back, it's only going to be temporary with, with obviously the lock for the world junior team. There's a selection camp, there's all that. So even if they get them back, they probably won't have them full time until after the holiday break anyways. Yeah. So he might only play 50 games or something, maybe even less than that, 45 or something with the giants this year, but you they would have them for when it's important uh, down the stretch and into the playoffs. So, uh, we'll watch that, and I agree with you. I think Byram eventually comes back too. If by chance he doesn't, obviously that would be a, a big blow, but one that I think still with looking at who else is still on the roster, the Giants could probably still uh, be a pretty strong team even if he doesn't come back. Fair? Yeah, that's fair to say. I think Barkley Parnett has kind of still built his team with the with the uh, with the mentality that Byram isn't going to be coming back, which I think is the correct way to do it. Yeah. Um, you have Alex Kanuckleepert. He's he's um, he's going to be the guy that kind of comes in and kind of takes those extra minutes with Byron being gone. I, he's def, he's even he's a good candidate for the captaincy that's currently vacant right now with Jared Dimitri over um, aging out last season. So um, Kanuckleepert and also Dylan Ploof, I think, would make probably your top two defensemen with the Giants this season. So those are guys that you can kind of see fill in those minutes that Byron would, would take up if he should be here. All right. And I gone from last year, you mentioned Jared Dimitri and uh, Davis Kosh, obviously two big pieces uh, out of the forward group, but uh, you, you lose a couple of guys and you welcome a couple of new guys in. They're young, but guys like Cruz Plummer and Zach Ostapchuk should come in. And, and as even though they're 16 years old and, and, uh, uh, maybe 17 years old for Plummer, but those guys should contribute as well. And talk about another season of uh, Justin Surtiff and what sort of a jump he takes in his development. And there are still a lot of offensive weapons here with the Giants. Yeah, definitely. They also brought in the two Shepard brothers as well. They they, they traded for Jackson Shepard and they signed Cole Shepard, who was originally committed to go to Harvard. So he hasn't seen any preseason time yet. He's, I think he's battling a bit of a hip injury. So I think he's going to be out to start the regular season as well. But once they get him back, he's going to be a, a guy that immediately makes an impact in the, in the lineup. And like you said, Justin sort of, he's, he's poised for, for a big draft year coming up here. He's looked, he's looked on a whole nother level in the games I've seen so far this season. Obviously it's preseason, but still he's, he's, he looks a lot stronger than last year. You can notice guys are kind of, Guys are kind of bouncing off of him when they go to make a body check. You can tell he's kind of been hitting the weights, and um, yeah, and guys like Zach Osubchuk, he he scored, he finally got he got a goal in the preseason. You can kind of see his confidence is kind of growing and growing as each game goes on, which is great to see for a young guy like that. Uh, last one, uh, Tristan Nilsson uh, could be a guy who might lead this team in scoring. He had such a night and day season last year. Really started really slow and then caught fire uh, in the second half. What are you expecting from him right now? Yeah, he's he's uh, definitely my player to watch this season. Um, I think he has the potential to score maybe 30 goals this year with the proper opportunity, the proper ice time. He's he's he was a first round Bantam pick for a reason. He has all the skill he needs. He's he's a lightning in a bottle kind of guy. He's he's a smaller he's on the smaller side, but he's he's got all the speed in the world. He like every every time you see him touch the puck, you're kind of on the edge of your seat. Cause you're expecting something exciting to happen. So yeah, he's definitely a guy that could definitely be leading the team in goal scoring between maybe him and Justin sort of. So he's a definitely a player to watch for me. Steven, let's end it with uh, how many teams out of the BC division you think make the playoffs. We, we've, uh, we've got it as Vancouver uh, and uh, followed by the, uh, the uh, Kelowna Rockets, the Kamloops Blazers. And then we've said there's going to be a bit of a gap uh, down to Victoria and Prince George. 
when it's all said and done, do you think you see do you see three or four BC division teams making it in? Um, as tough as that U.S. division is and those wild card spots, I think we're going to see four BC division teams. I think Victoria is going to find a way. They always do. They've, they've they've been a good team ever since they came to Victoria, so I think they're going to always find a way to, to squeak into the playoffs regardless. All right, well, watch for that. There should be a fun season uh, all around the league and in the BC division at that top end especially. Uh, Steven, I really appreciate your time and look forward to having you on the show again. Awesome. Thank you. Anytime. My thanks to Stephen Hocko from Dub Network for being my guest in that uh, last segment. Interestingly, he and I see things uh, very similar, although I have uh, I do have Vancouver as the top team as well. I'm going to go Kamloops number two and the Kelowna Rockets number three. Bit of an asterisk because you know that Kamloops, or Kelowna rather, is going to be a change to their team, uh, I would guess, pretty significantly over the course of the season. And I know last night I was doing a uh, podcast with... Uh, Sean Mullen and uh, Chad Balcom, the, the guys from WHL Unfiltered. And Sean threw out the names, uh, a couple of guys from the uh, Moose Jaw Warriors in, or excuse me, from the Lethbridge Hurricanes in uh, Kalen Addison. Uh, actually, he mentioned Dylan Cousins. And I said, well, how about then if, if they're going to trade uh, Cousins, then uh, I would assume Kalen Addison would become available then too. And earlier I had mentioned Justin Almeida, uh, if he happens to come back to the Moose Jaw Warriors. So I I think over the course of the season, we'll see Kelowna load up a little bit. So a bit of an asterisk there uh, for me that, that I have them third. But right now on paper, I have Kamloops ahead of uh, the the Rockets. Vancouver is the top team. Victoria and Prince George uh, both uh, dead last and, for me, missing the playoffs. And that's it for the WHL preview show. Uh, thanks to the four gentlemen from dubnetwork.ca for sharing their insight. Now, I really want to hear from you, the listener. What do you think of the uh, predictions from those guys and uh, from myself at the end of each of those segments? You can share your predicted finishes uh, with me. They've they've been the question of the day the last uh, month, though, as well. Um, so I've been able to gauge sort of the responses uh, from fans who have chimed in uh, via Twitter. But you can reflect on that now as uh, we get set for the debut of this coming season here just a couple of days away as I'm speaking with you right now. It should be a, an awfully fun year. That does it for this week's episode. Next week, it's been so hard and heavy on the WHL, there might not be a dub segment next week. Uh, we're going to have to reach out and get in touch with people who cover the Ontario Hockey League and the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. U Sports is starting up, uh, and we're going to do that on a much more regular basis this year. Maybe uh, a Junior A in Canada a segment. Also, the USHL is getting closer to getting active, so... Lots of other things to touch on, so uh, probably you take a, a week off from the WHL next week because it's been a solid month, maybe six weeks, basically all WHL content. So next week, we'll get back to uh, some of the other leagues that I like to cover here on the Pipeline Show as well. Thanks to everybody who has signed up to be a patron lately, as uh, the uh, Patreon page is, has been getting a workout, uh, and uh, a number of people have uh, signed up in the last, uh, well, since Season 15 started and all these WHL team previews uh, have come out uh, most re- recently thanks to Matt and Tim and John and Joe for signing up this week. Appreciate that. A couple of bucks a month is all it takes and you can have early access to all these interviews as well. Go to patreon.com slash the pipeline show. That does it. Until next week everybody get out and watch some junior and college hockey so that you and I can talk about it next week here on the pipeline show. Until then I'm Guy Flaming. See ya. See ya.